scene inside the cockpit of an airliner. Captain Jeff is addressing the passengers over the public address system. First Officer Steph is in the co-pilot's seat. Liz, a concerned passenger, is heard in the background. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Today, the FAA has decided I'm officially too ancient to fly, so I'm passing the torch to the youthful First Officer, Steph. Wait, what? Captain Jeff, are we safe? Fear not, Liz. Steph here is practically a prodigy. They handed her the keys because apparently I'm at that age where I'm a flying hazard. Hazard? Don't worry. Captain Jeff might have a few wrinkles and a lot of gray hair. But the plane and I still have plenty of miles left in us. Well, that's debatable. This aircraft has seen more sunsets than I have. And I'm not sure if Steph here knows how to handle a relic. A relic? Should I be concerned? Not at all, Liz. Captain Jeff just has a unique way of expressing his confidence in my abilities. Confidence, right. It's like handing over the reins of a vintage car to a teenager. Teenager? <laughs> I promise, Liz, we'll navigate these skies smoothly. Captain Jeff might be retiring, but this old bird still has some tricks up its sleeve. Well said, Steph. Buckle up, everyone. Liz, take a deep breath. You're in for a safe, albeit slightly dramatic, flight. Lights fade as the passengers settle in for the journey with Captain Jeff, First Officer Steph and Liz preparing for takeoff in this unconventional aviation drama. You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. W-A-P-G. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 600, a milestone. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 30th of December, 2023. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Put your pilot's flying by. With the airline pilot guy. In today's episode, we'll tell you what the and following a string of near collisions, the FAA will reportedly look into air traffic controller fatigue. Also ahead, more news, your feedback, and today's plane tale, Flight 600. So get all settled in, tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions, electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 600 is ready for pushback. Yay! Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins on 92.3 FM in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guys Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff. Wow, the crowd is just going crazy. I'm Captain Jeff, former U.S. Air Force UPT instructor, starlifter pilot, Retired B-727-717 and Mad Dog Captain for Delta Airlines. And joining me today from her lakeside studio in South... Kagalecki, Kagalecki. 
Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, it's Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff, congratulations on retirement, happy birthday, all the things. I'm excited to be here. I'm sorry my voice was not excited to be here, but we'll get through this. Looking forward to a great show. We all love your voice, Steph. And also joining us from his studio... Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330-340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Hi there, Jeff. Congratulations for joining me in the ranks of the unemployed. It's good to be there, I think. (laughs) Also joining us from his home studio in the air capital, low and slow pilot, A&P mechanic, old airplane enthusiast, an engineer in the aerospace and defense industry. It's Nick Camacho. Hey, Captain Jeff. Uh, I'm glad to be here with everyone. I'm glad to be here for that uh, another well-placed uh, <laughs> Airbus comment for uh, Captain Nick. Ah, yes. And also, finally, last but not least, from her studio in Toronto, retired financier and aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master and our producer it's the lovely liz piper happy 600th everybody yay Yay. happy 600 we made it (laughs) unbelievable (laughs) all right Uh, okay have a good show you guys well thanks liz Liz. uh here we go we're gonna go ahead and start off with some uh aviation news On December 7th, 2023, at 11.03 Central Standard Time, a Beechcraft uh, 35 C-33, November 5891 Juliet, was, it's a, uh, it's a debonair, uh, was destroyed when it was involved in an accident near Pulaski, Tennessee. The private pilot and passenger sustained fatal injuries. The airplane was operated as a Part 91 personal flight. The flight originated from Knoxville Downtown Island Airport, Knoxville, Tennessee, about 9.48 Central Standard Time. This is, by the way, the preliminary report by the NTSB. Uh, They were en route to uh, Saline, or uh, I think that's how how you pronounce that, Saline County Regional Airport in Benton, Arkansas. Preliminary Automatic Dependent Surveillance Broadcast, ADSB, data revealed that after takeoff from uh, Delta Kilo X-ray, the airplane climbed, turned to a ground track of 255 degrees, then leveled off for about 12 minutes at 2,500 feet mean sea level before climbing to 6,400 feet MSL. The pilot was in contact with air traffic control and had requested flight following services. As the flight was about 140 nautical miles into the trip, the controller advised the pilot that she was left of course. The pilot acknowledged and responded that she was correcting. About 10.19, the airplane entered the first of a series of climbs and descents with corresponding fluctuations in its observed ground speed. During these oscillations, which varied in magnitude, the airplane's altitude varied between 6,400 feet and 5,300 feet. About 10.57, the airplane entered a descent that arrested about 4,300 feet at a ground speed of 143 knots 
after which it climbed to 6,050 feet and slowed to 85 knots. Uh, that's close to stall speed, I think. The airplane then began to descend rapidly before ADSB contact was lost in the vicinity of the accident site. During the last several seconds of the flight, the airplane was on a ground track of 262 degrees, descending at a ground speed that reached a maximum of 228 knots, and the estimated maximum descent rate was about 11,900 feet per minute. Again, that's 11,900 feet per minute. That's, that's going down fast. During these altitude fluctuations, the controller twice provided instructions to the pilot to contact Memphis Air Route Traffic Control Center. However, neither of the instructions were acknowledged by the pilot. During the final moments of the flight, a faint communication from the pilot stating that the airplane's, uh, stating the airplane's registration and debonair, followed by an emergency declaration and an unintelligible word. About 60 seconds later, a faint and largely unintelligible transmission from the passenger was transmitted. The controller's subsequent attempts to contact the pilot were unanswered. There were no further communications from either the pilot or passenger. The airplane impacted wooded terrain at an elevation of 971 feet, with the wreckage path oriented on a heading of about 268 magnetic. The wreckage was highly fragmented. The debris field extended in a fan-like pattern about 300 feet long. The tops of several trees leading to the main wreckage were cut off at progressively lower heights, leading up to the main impact with the ground. During the accident sequence, the fuel tanks were breached, and a post-impact fire spread in the vicinity of the wreckage to the surrounding trees and undergrowth. A witness in the vicinity of the accident sites stated that the airplane flew overhead at a high rate of speed and described that the engine was running when it impacted the ground. All major components of the airplane were located at the accident site. The engine was partially buried in a crater that was five feet deep and eight feet wide. The engine was severely damaged by impact forces and crankshaft continuity with cylinder compression could not be confirmed due to internal impact damage. The magneto key was broken off in the switch and set on both. Both magnetos separated from the engine during the accident sequence were damaged by impact forces and could not be functionally tested. Spark plugs were impact damaged but showed minimum, minimal wear when compared to the champion check a plug chart did not display any evidence of carbon or lead fouling. The propeller blades separated from the hub during the impact sequence. One blade was buried in the impact crater, while the opposing blade was found about 30 feet west of the main wreckage. The buried blade exhibited a significant bend with cord-wise scraping and leading edge gouges. The opposing blade had a slight bend and also exhibited cord-wise cord scraping. The propeller hub showed rotational crushing damage. There was no evidence of an in-flight fire. The flight control system components from the cockpit to all control surfaces were significantly damaged or destroyed by impact forces and the post-impact fire. Flight control continuity could not be established. However, all observed breaks of the flight control cables displayed fracture features that were indi indicative of tensile overload, having broom straw appearances consistent with impact-related separation. The elevator trim was measured and correlated to about 5 degrees of trim tab deflection in the nose-down direction. The rudder left horizontal stabilizer and elevator remained attached to the empennage and were free to move when manually ma manipulated. The cockpit was destroyed by impact forces and fire. No flight instrumentation or gauges could be identified or recovered. The airplane was equipped with a Century 2000 autopilot, and while the instrument panel faceplate was identified, no settings of the autopilot could be determined. 
the autopilot servos were damaged by impact and fire. The reason why they're mentioning the uh, autopilot, by the way, is, is could be a significant factor in the, all of this that we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, the wreckage included two intact digital video recording devices uh, were retained for further examination. And these were most likely GoPro cameras. Now, the, uh, the pilot uh, uh, goes by uh, social media, Tennessee Fly Girl. And so she has been kind of uh, documenting her, her uh, training, uh, becoming a pilot, becoming a private pilot, and then advancing, getting some instrument training and that sort of thing. And she's been putting up YouTube videos and I think Instagram stuff. Uh, so, you know, she's well known in the social media space. Uh, and this is going to be probably a good thing that she had these cameras running because, you know, there's probably good evidence on there exactly what happened. I mean, you know, Captain Nick, you've been calling for this for quite some time in uh, commercial airliners, you know, having videotape recorders going on and seeing what's happening in the in the cockpit. So uh, I think that we're going to actually kind of have that information uh, for yeah. the investigation. I, I think this. particularly in this case, when there's no real other data you can get from the aircraft, doesn't have a flight recorder, doesn't have uh, a voice recorder, uh, it'll be vital. And it really will help uh, future safety um, of uh, pilots because we'll learn exactly what happened, at least hopefully. Yeah. So um, Juan Brown, uh, Blanco Lirio, uh YouTube channel, has been doing a, a I think a fantastic job of uh, the initial analysis of what happened here. He already has at least two videos out um, describing um, a little bit of the background of Tennessee Fly Girl. She was flying with her father. They were, as they mentioned in the preliminary report, taking the airplane from Knoxville, Tennessee to uh, somewhere in Arkansas to get uh, some work done on the instrument panel. They, they don't go into specifics exactly what they were going to have done. Uh, but um, she was having some in her own videos on YouTube uh, that she had published was uh, kind of talking about the fact that she was having some problems with her flight instructor and her flight instructor was getting um, uh, frustrated with her lack of progress and uh, her uh, exhibiting her, um, her, her flying skills. And uh, then she decided to to switch flight instructors to a different one. Uh, in the meantime, this was this planned trip to fly the uh, the Debonair, which is a pretty high-performance single-engine airplane. And, I mean, uh, our Nick Camacho can tell us all about it because that's the uh, airplane that he owns. Um, and uh, they were taking it, as I said, to, to get the work done in, in uh, Arkansas. Um, but in, a, uh, in an earlier video, just a couple of weeks before this accident, um, she was explaining, and I guess that there are several instances of videos that she had recorded where she was having troubles with the autopilot system on this debonair. And uh, she thought that it wasn't working properly, but I think that we're going to find that it was just that she didn't quite understand or grasp how to actually use the autopilot system. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is what? Um, uh, well, anyway, uh, I think that it'd be best to kind of illustrate in uh, Juan, Bra Juan Brown's Blancolirio video um, of a little little clip of that to kind of show. Oh, I was going to mention that these videos 
that she had published on YouTube were like in the last four weeks or last month have been taken down. Uh, but Juan was able to, um, to, to have access to these before they were removed uh, from the channel. So uh, let's take a look uh, at the, um, uh, this segment that I want to play here that I think is significant. Then after she let go that flight instructor, Jenny goes and continues to fly with her dad, and her dad is not a rated pilot, and they continue to try to figure out this autopilot system on their own. And this video is only uh, four weeks old. All of this has happened within the last month or so. And this is what leads me to believe that she doesn't have a clear understanding of how the autopilot works. We're now two miles south of the field, just maneuvering out here for a second at 2,000. Boy, she ain't, she ain't climbing good at all. You do not press and hold the up button. It's a momentary button switch. But Jenny, why is it not climbing? Because let me see if I can zoom in on this. There's you don't. There's no power to the engine. There's very little power here. You need to add the power to the engine. It, there's no auto throttles. You have to climb the aircraft up and trim it. So it's a momentary up button switch, then power and trim to climb to your altitude. But she's got that power way back down here to about 15 inches of manifold pressure. All right, so right now, what I'm going to do, while well, this is autopilot, and I'm, uh... It's not the autopilot. It's the operator. Yeah, I'm always off here, I've been so. holding it, but... Wow. Just watch my airspeed, if you don't mind. But what about your air? I can't see. Yeah, I'm supposed to be at, a, I'm supposed to be at a 43. 43. If you don't add power and you demand the aircraft to climb, what's going to happen to your airspeed? And I'm going to try to get this. Um... Still a very low power setting. Still climbing about 400 feet per minute. Bob. That autopilot's working fine. Yeah, I'll watch my. Uh... Show trim, trim up. Flashing trim up light. We're getting too close to stall speed. Stop, stop it. Stop, stop it. There. See? Nope. She finally does the right thing and disconnects the autopilot but clearly doesn't understand why all that happened. Okay. As I said, this is just a, um, an example of her issues with using that autopilot and understanding how it works. So that could be a significant factor in this investigation. Now I'd like love to hear from Camacho because she's flying the airplane that uh, you own and have been um, renovating, restoring, whatever the, proper term is. Uh, what do you think here? Um, so I, I, the first thing I have to say is I, I don't have an autopilot in my airplane and I have not flown. Uh, I have very limited experience with uh, autopilot equipped airplanes, but uh, I will say that uh, the, uh, the Bonanza is a pretty stable airplane. 
Um, the trim is very powerful uh, in terms of, you know, like in some airplanes, you've got to scroll the wheel a couple of times. In the in the Bonanza, the movement on the trim wheel is, uh, is more like in um, fractions of turns. So like when I'm, when I take off, I might be turning the trim wheel uh, 30 degrees to, to trim for a, a cruise power setting versus, you know, giving it a couple of spins or whatever you might do in, in like a Grumman or a Cessna. Um, the, uh, he mentioned 15 inches of uh, power. Uh, I'm not sure what, which engine her airplane had. Um, but my airplane, in my airplane, uh, 15 inches is what I use to, uh, descend and fly in the pattern. So, uh, with about 14 or 15 inches and, uh, 24 or 50 set on the propeller, uh, that gets me about, um, 90 or hundred knots straight and level with the gear out. So, uh, expecting the, like Juan said, expecting the airplane to climb in that, um, configuration, uh, does not seem like she had a uh, a great grasp of uh, how to configure the airplane and the power settings for the airplane. Um, and then, uh, you know, the other thing I was going to mention is uh, it it was uh, it was clear. It was uh, no uh, no clouds. I think it said the visibility was ten miles. So that's basically like a really nice day. Uh, and so. Uh, it's unfortunate if this, if the autopilot issue ends up being the case, it's unfortunate that uh, a pilot who had all of her visual um, indications outside the cockpit, uh, let, let the situation devolve. I can understand, uh, you know, getting behind a piece of equipment or um, struggling to understand what's going on relative to a piece of equipment. But uh, if that was the case and she let the situation devolve so far, on a VFR day that she couldn't recover the airplane. That'd be uh, unfortunate. It almost seems like she just had a basic lack of understanding of like basic flying fundamentals. You know, you pull back on the stick or the yoke, you push the throttles forward and the opposite, yeah. you know, it, it's it, even if you're flying it through the autopilot, you're still flying the airplane, you know, the autopilot and there, there are not auto throttles on this right. airplane, you know, it's not automatically yep. going to add power when you're demanding a, a climb from the autopilot. Yeah. And I, I, I was I, talking through this with my dad and we were trying to figure out like all the different things that could have been confusing or could have been harder to understand, um, in a, uh, scenario where you're frantic or, you know, kind of, you have a, like a helmet fire situation and, there's all sorts of things that in my mind seem like you would be, uh, would be much more significant in like a IMC situation where either if you got yourself unintentionally into IMC or if you're a lower time instrument pilot and you're expecting the autopilot to do something and it doesn't, and it puts you behind the airplane, I could understand these things happening. But for someone in a VFR day, you know, like, uh, for instance, the, I think Juan mentioned this in his video. I'm not sure, but the autopilot doesn't have automatic trim. So some of these airplanes have a trim servo and then the autopilot either automatically trims the airplane or they have electric trim and you can just run trim on the, um, it'll have like a trim switch on the uh, thumb position of the yoke. 
And so that's, um, that is a little more, um, logical, I think, because if you're holding the yoke and you want the nose to go down or the yoke to go forward, you can just kind of, um, bump that switch forward in the same direction that the yoke goes with the manual trim. It's on a wheel. Um, and in my mind, it's, it's fairly logical, you know, cause you reach forward and like to put the nose down, you, uh, roll the trim wheel up. And so, um, you're basically rotating the airplane in the same direction as the trim wheel. So that makes sense to me. But, you know, if you're getting a trim up indication on the autopilot and you've got a thousand things going on, um, is it, you know, I guess it could be possible that she's rolling that trim wheel in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm not sure. You notice in that video, again, this, you know, the video that we just watched with uh, Juan Brown, uh, was a couple of weeks before the accident flight. So we don't have any video from that, at least not yet. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, when she was demanding the flight, the 400 foot per minute climb on the auto flight or autopilot uh, without adding power. And, you know, she was getting concerned because it was getting close to stall speed. And then when she finally did the right thing, as Juan mentions, by clicking off the autopilot, did you see how the yoke just jumped forward pretty yeah. significantly? Yeah. That shows the thing was way out of trim. Uh, Steph, I think you wanted to say something. No, I just uh, the only uh, comment I was going to make. It's interesting that she has all these YouTube videos. Um, uh, interesting. I wonder how many. And you can't go back and look at them now, unfortunately. But I wonder what kind of comments were being left for her if she was posting these videos to her YouTube site. Surely someone would have said, "Hey, if you wanted to to climb, you know, you might want to consider adding some." some power as well, not just mm -hmm. demanding it from the autopilot. So I'm wondering if any comments like that were actually made, if anything, you know, she could have gone back and taken into consideration. Well, nobody ever reads those comments on, uh, <laughs> on, on YouTube. So. Yeah. And it's hard to trust someone. <laughs> yeah. you don't I mean, really it's not, you know, it's not there. coming from, uh, you know, someone who's a flight instructor or anything yeah. like that, but certainly right. folks who were, who would have been following her site presumably had some sort yeah. of interest in aviation and flying. And I wonder if any of those things, you know, could have been brought to her attention beforehand. I, I understand entirely why you uh, made uh, your remark, Jeff, that um, if, if it starts uh, going wrong, take the autopilot out. But she was trying to self-teach um, on how to use the autopilot in the aircraft. So she hasn't got a simulator to experiment with. She's had some lessons. She's obviously conflicted in her level of knowledge. Um, but there's two critical areas that the autopilot isn't helping her. Um, Nick's exactly right. It, the autopilot won't trim itself out. So if you get if, are using the autopilot to fly and uh, you get the aircraft in and out of trim situation um, by changing speed or starting a climb or descent, um, it'll flash lights at you saying, I, right, I'm out of trim now, you need to correct this by moving the trim wheel. Um, I, I don't think she was necessarily doing that or it wasn't part of her routine at that point. She hadn't got there. And the and of course, the other thing, the problem, that's the other thing that she was neglecting. So it was almost like she hadn't really tweaked that this autopilot wasn't going to do everything for her. Of course, once she got the aircraft into an out of trim situation, and, and that's what we're assuming or guessing, had occurred, um, and it was a nose down out of trim situation. I suspect that as the 
when the autopilot kicked out or uh, she ended up in a situation where the aircraft is descending. And, of course, the faster it goes, the more aerodynamic force that trim um, will have on the elevator and deflect it even further, making it harder and harder as the speed increases uh, for her to pull out of the dive. Uh, there's even a suggestion that although he wasn't uh, qualified, his father might be used to helping out by moving things. He might even have uh, tried to uh, reset the trim, but of course, not not necessarily perhaps in the right direction, might have made things even worse. They uh, found the with about five degrees nose down trim, which I believe is about half the setting. And Nick's already suggested how powerful that uh, trim is um, and it's quite likely that it exceeded her strength um, during the final part of the flight to actually raise the nose again even though the autopilot was no longer a factor um, so there are a number of areas there which are pretty basic and I think if you're teaching someone how to use an autopilot you need to teach them a routine of how to pick up on those things you have to do whilst the autopilot is doing its things and you've got to isolate them all right the autopilot's going to do this that and the other but i need to continually fly the airplane make sure it's in trim make sure it's got the right power setting for the stage of flight i'm in and i don't think she got to that stage so i'm wondering it seems to know maybe i just i'm an old codger old retired guy uh but it seems like the newer generation of flyers out there are using the autopilot as a way of like, like AI. It's just going to do everything for you. You don't have to just, I got to get that autopilot on and then it, I can just sit back and let it do its thing. Not understanding that uh, even in the most sophisticated of our airplanes out there, you still as a pilot have to fly the airplane through the auto flight system. And I'm, I'm not sure that, I think there's a major disconnect perhaps going on. I don't know. What do you all think? Yeah. Oh, I certainly. Agree. I mean, we had a major incident on our airline, for heaven's sake, and these are very experienced pilots where a guy was moving from the Boeing to the Airbus. He was making an approach. Uh, he was on the Airbus. He had autopilot, but the auto thrust system was unserviceable. And he got himself into a coupled ILS, so the autopilot's quite happily flying this airliner down the ILS, but he completely forgot that he was supposed to be moving the throttles. So the aircraft got slower and slower and slower until he, well, he made it to the runway, but he was at such an extreme angle that he hit the tail on the runway on landing. So, you know, even really experienced guys yeah. uh, can get themselves into a situation where they forget, well, in fact, both pilots uh, forget you know, a simple control action that would have rescued the situation. Wow. Well, you know, uh, we have a live audience here. You all should enjoy and you know, engage in this uh, if you ever get a chance to. iHall Boxes uh, says, story has it, Miami Rick used to, uh, used to always set the trim to full nose down to get some extra bicep reps. <laughs> I'd, I'd recommend nose up. It's a bit safer. <laughs> but then you, I don't know, those are different triceps. muscles. Yeah, yeah different, different muscle group. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well, that accounts for the footprints on the instrument panel that uh, he often yeah. leaves. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting investigation. I think, as I mentioned, I think it's a great thing that she is a, 
a social media uh, diva because, uh, and I, I mean that in a good way, not a bad way, uh, who uh, has perhaps digitally recorded exactly what happened. This is really going to help the uh, investigation team mm-hmm. come up with a, with a probable cause. Uh, but I think we all suspect that it had something to do with the fact of, that she just misunderstood exactly how to operate the, uh, the autopilot. Yeah, uh, very sad. Hey, we have uh, somebody in our green room, and uh, we're going to bring him in. It is formerly the big-ass fan, Greg Peterson. Hey, Greg Peterson, come on in. Hey, how Hi, are Greg. you guys? Great. How are you, hey, sir? Hey, Greg. Nice to see you. Hey, hey Nick. Yeah, so it looks like, uh, is this your, your new uh, digs there up in the, the Cincinnati area? Yeah, I'm down in the basement. Looks nice. <laughs> it's, it's Christmas de-decorate day at our house today. Oh, so. oh, oh boy. that's a bit early. We try and get at least a month out of it. <laughs> well, ours, ours has been up since before Thanksgiving. Oh, so you've had plenty of time with the uh, Christmas decorations already yes. then. Yeah. yeah. Understand. Yeah. We went we went to Texas for Thanksgiving, and so my wife wanted it all up before we got – so when we got back, it was done. Excellent. So um, I'm glad that you were able to join us for episode 600, Greg. Yeah. And uh, Greg and I had a nice uh, – he helped me celebrate my 35th Deltaversary uh Back on the 15th of December, I met uh, Greg at the airport, talked about it on, on an earlier show. and uh, He was the first we, one we, to see your pin? Yeah, he was the first one to see my 35-year pin. And yes. uh, we got to toast to the uh, 35-year career with Delta Airlines. It's, it feels funny for me not to say Acme. I can say Delta now. Because I'm officially <laughs> no longer an employee of uh, Delta Airlines, which I think they're very happy about. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sure they'll miss you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, did you want to uh, say anything to our community, Greg? No, I just uh, took a break from the undecorating to uh, drop in and say hello. Okay. Well, very so. good. Well, um, thanks for uh, – well, I'll I tell you what. We don't have anybody here yet to replace you, so uh, you can hang out for a few minutes. Uh, while we cover our next news item. What do you all yep. think? Is that good, uh, Liz? Yes, sir. That's great. All right. Uh, this one is from the Aviation Herald. Um, Canadian, a Canadian North Avion de Transport Regional, an ATR 42-300 registration, Charlie Golf Kilo Lima Bravo performing flight uh, 620 from Yellowknife to... Ooh, Kugla Tuk. Sounds good. Um, ding, ding, ding. Uh, Northern Territories. Yeah, that deserves. There we go. Uh, with 17 people on board, departed Yellowknife in freezing rain after being de-iced. However, immediately after rotation, uh, the stick shaker activated and a flight control indication activated. The crew stopped the climb at 1,500 feet, uh, identified a stick shaker fault, retracted the landing gear. However, now received indication the right main gear did not come up. The gear was selected down again. Three greens were observed. The crew declared pan-pan, returned to Yellowknife for a safe landing. The Canadian TSB reported prior to departure, one-eighth inch of ice had been observed on the exterior of the aircraft. The aircraft was de-iced. The AOA vanes were checked for freedom of movement. After landing, the maintenance team conducted a landing gear retraction overspeed inspection, replaced the right-hand landing gear uplock box, 
replaced the crew alerting computer, and cleaned the AOA sensors. A satisfactory verification flight was completed, and the aircraft was returned to service. And I think both pilots uh, put on new trousers as <laughs> well. Um, they didn't include that in the report here. So, uh, yeah, you don't mess with, especially <laughs> in the in the cold, Arctic. white north. Uh, yeah, the Arctic Circle up there with uh, any kind of uh, frozen precipitation, especially freezing rain and ice. Now, why is that, Jeff? Why don't you like freezing rain? It's it's quite pretty, isn't it? Oh, it is really, really pretty when you're sitting. And it's in... really funny on the YouTube videos, watching all the cars crash and everyone fall over. That's true. I mean, those are some good things about it. <laughs> However, on an airplane, uh, it has some uh, has a negative impact on your flight control surfaces and lifting surfaces. Indeed. Uh, and freezing rain, of course, uh, is the quickest way to uh, get clear ice on your aircraft, um, whereas other types of precipitation will often freeze into rime ice, which is, uh, if there is a safe kind of ice, that's the safe kind. Clear rain, freezing rain, um, will, will develop often into clear ice because as it impacts on the surface of uh, the wing, uh, it gains a little bit of warming, heating from that uh, friction as it smacks into the wing, which stops it from freezing instantaneously. And it'll often dribble back down the aerofoil before settling into a nice layer of shiny, transparent ice that it's really hard to see. So, And it builds up quite quickly and it's extremely heavy uh, and, um, of course, changes the shape of your wing, which often makes it less efficient. So... All in all, it's a horrible thing to have. Now, they'd already cleared off the uh, ice once. Now, of course, you do pray that the guy who was doing the de-icing did a really good inspection because <laughs> clear ice is hard to spot. And if you're freezing cold yourself in one of those little cabins with your de-icing hose or however they're doing it up there, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily the simplest thing in the world to check that what you the job you've done has been sufficient to clear all the ice off. So I have a question. So in this case, you know, with, the, with this uh, freezing rain, would this be a case for not just de-icing, but also using, um, which is the other type of... Uh, oh, anti-icing. Anti-icing yeah. anti mm -hmm. fluid as well. Um that if would it's still precipitating, yes. But, I think uh, in this case that uh, the conditions on the actual takeoff um, were initially, you know, everything was free of uh, snow and ice, and then they may have flown into some kind of an inversion layer and getting the freezing rain once they were in the air. And at that point, you're you're at the um, uh, uh, whatever the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know rhubarb. Yes, that's it. You're at the rhubarb of your uh, in-flight de-icing equipment, and uh, it may not be able to handle a lot of, you know, a quick accumulation of icing from the freezing rain, in, you know, in the air. So maybe they yeah. did everything they could possibly do. Maybe everything was, you know, clean as a whistle when they actually began their takeoff. Um, I don't know. Do you think there's a link between the gear fault and the ice? I think so. It seems like it would be, but or maybe it's just coincidental. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So, hey, Greg, um, good to see you. Um, I hope that you had a, a great uh, Christmas holiday season, and and I hope you have a great New Year. Anything you want to say before we 
uh, we have you leave us and we bring in somebody else from our community? Nope, nope. Just wanted to stop by and say hello. I uh, wish everybody a happy new year and uh, hope you guys have a great rest of the show. Awesome. Thank you. Super. Appreciate it. See you on 700. Yep. <laughs> happy new year, Greg. <laughs> great to see you. All right. And now look who's here. It's uh, it's Nick's brother, Mark There's Anderson. There's a doctor in the house. <laughs> Wait, no, that's a different Mark Anderson. It's a doctor. Hey, how are you doing, Mark? I'm good, thanks, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. The two Nicks and Steph. It's good to see you all. Good to see you, Mark. Yeah. Brilliant uh, to see you. Uh, could you do a quick diagnosis of uh, Steph while you're on, please, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Because like I haven't already sore throat to me, I think. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I haven't already diagnosed myself, so uh, uh, we get into gargle. Yes, exactly. Is this exactly. the first time? Is this history being made? Not only is it the 600 episode, but the first time I think we've actually had two doctors on. Wow. Uh, nice. Good it's point. Doctor, doctor takeover. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and two pilots as well. I mean, do, uh, Doctor Mark, you're a pilot as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Excellent. Two doctor pilots, and they're both still alive. That's amazing. Yes, for we, now. That, uh, that's it. Uh, <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> hey, I've done you a special adaptation of my APG 500 uh, mug here. Oh, I like it. Let me zoom in. There we go. Oh, oh nice. I love it. Excellent. Who would ever know that well, there's awesome. been yeah, I can't even. I can't even tell that you made so a modification seamless. there, Mark. <laughs> no, no. And you'll be able to use that on the 900th show as well. <laughs> That's right. Turn Don't throw that Just pour your, beer, pour your beverage out. That'd be 009. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's not right. <laughs> so, did you have a nice? Uh, are you enjoying your Christmas holidays, uh, Mark? There in uh, the UK. Yeah, apart should... from the lack of any decent flying weather, it's been terrible here. It's windy and wet all the time. So, I should mention. You know, I should have mentioned before. So, when you when you come on, you should say you know from where you're coming to us. And are you in Wales right now? Or are you in? Uh... That's right. Yeah, I'm in okay. Swansea in Wales. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Mark, if you remember that Mark is a doctor for the... Uh, ah. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> like, no. Acme. Uh, no, no. Acme. Acme. Uh, Aviation yeah, we'll, uh, Authority. Yes. Staff. Delete that. <laughs> Reference. Okay. They got it. Indeed. They're giving me thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Mark, my uh, son has just moved to Cardiff, so if you see some itinerant uh, death metal drummer wandering around, you'll know who's who he belongs to. I'll keep an eye out for him there. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have anything to say uh, or add to our analysis of either of the uh, two, the first two news stories, uh, Mark? I I just felt a bit sorry for Tennessee Fly Girl. I think. Um, it just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable watching this all being analysed. Sort of, mm -hmm. you know. I know Blank Lirio does a great job on these uh, these sort of breakdowns of what's happened, but uh, it was one I really didn't enjoy watching and stopped yeah. part way through. I thought no, I think I'd just step away from that. And, yeah, a bit close to home, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah for me anyway. It is. I think yeah. for most of us, that's true. Um, yeah, perhaps I shouldn't have uh, kind of played. Uh, Blanc Lirios. Oh, no. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's an important lesson. Yeah. yeah the icing he, story, he, well, uh, we've all had our icing encounters, I suspect. I remember, I'm not a very experienced GA pilot, but uh, flying into the top of one of those friendly-looking 
fluffy cumulus clouds on summer day and <laughs> ending up like I was inside a deep freeze and couldn't see anything at all. So that's uh, impressive stuff, ice. Except yeah. when it's in your drink. That's exactly. very true. <laughs> Except glider pilots seem to do it for fun. There's there's a whole raft of them who enjoy um, thermaling uh, up up inside Q Nims, and I'm going, really? <laughs> you you do what? Are they allowed to do that? Do they pick up ice? Like instrument gliding? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, oh there's, if you get struck by lightning and all the whole nine yards. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> wow, that's not so. Some like of them fun. come down in their gliders, and some of them. Come down outside, big lights. Yes, sounds like that's a, right. Sounds like a bunch of cowboys. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm sure we have something to play for that. Yeah. Yeah, but they won't have a gun. They're already anyway. I don't want to hog the airways, but just uh, to say happy birthday, uh, Jeff. Uh, I'm Thank you. close behind you in the age stake, so a couple of months to go to my 65. So ah, you're so young. Yours. So young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope you're enjoying your retirement and the RV comes along soon. I can't wait to hear about it. And thanks for 10 years plus of podcasts and helping me through many sleepless nights and uh, and long drives to work. So and, and giving you nightmares. It. <laughs> <laughs> we, it's, it's our pleasure, Mark. It's so nice to meet you. And it was so nice meeting you in person uh, over in the summer. Um, yeah, when I was there. It was good it was... to see you. And once again, I'm sorry about that atrocious Korean barbecue. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, that wasn't that bad. I thought it was pretty pretty decent. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mark. You barbecued a Korean? Isn't that sort of well, against the law? Uh, yeah. Can we... Can we take that out of and post? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for popping in. We really appreciate it. Uh, uh, we appreciate everybody out there in our audience. All right. Yeah, Happy New Year. Bye. <laughs> Cheers, Mark. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Looks like we don't have any uh, new uh, victims to uh, bring in. And so we're going to move on with our next story. And this is not about crashes or no. incidents. It's it's more, it's more of a, an uplifting story. And this is from, of course, it's from Paddle Your Own Canoe. My fave. Uh, with a flight time of just over an hour, this is, by the way, the uh, the headline from uh, Paddle Your Own Canoe. The busiest international airline route in the world in 2023 was between Kuala Lumpur and Singapore. With a flight time of just over an hour and covering a distance of a little more than 180 miles. I'm thinking, that's not a very fast airplane. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, I was thinking that also. Because I started doing the mental gymnastics thinking, well, I fly from Atlanta to Birmingham, or I used to fly from Atlanta to Birmingham, and that was like a 25-minute flight, and that's 250 miles. So something are, wasn't matching are up. all of these flights being done in Cessna caravans? I think maybe. A, <laughs> a lot of them, though, step, because uh, let me see. They have the, uh, the, uh, the mileage or uh, um, seats, uh, 4.9 million available seats. Wow. For the they year. estimate for the year. Oh, by the way, yeah. I can help you out with the maths, Jeff. Yes. Uh, doing 180 miles an, in uh, an hour is averaging 180 miles an hour. Brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> I, you know, I actually Thank did you. that in my head. Welcome. Too. You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> yeah, what is it in knots? <laughs> like 160 or 158? Yeah, 161.5. Like <laughs> Approximately. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, so that uh, again is between uh, Kuala Lumpur and Singapore. I Chan- hope Chan- has a comment. 
Uh, IHAL Boxes has this to say, aviation stories are just so uplifting or oh, technically yeah. lift generating. Right. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yes. So yes. funny. They lift and separate. <laughs> your, <laughs> your humor, uh, uh, IHAL, is so... Very impressive. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, let's go back here to this article. Uh, there are uh, as many 30, as 34 daily flights between uh, Kuala Lumpur and Singapore. Wow. Uh, just behind was Cairo in Egypt to the Saudi Arabian city of Jeddah with 4.8 million available seats in 2023. Uh, in third place was Hong Kong to Taipei with 4.6 million available seats for the year. That's not just one flight. <laughs> rounding, <laughs> rounding out the top five busiest international airline routes of 2023 were Seoul, Incheon to Osaka, Kansai, Kansai uh, in fourth, and Seoul, Incheon to Tokyo, Narita in fifth. Uh, the only North American or European route to feature in the top 10 business routes or busiest routes was uh, New York JFK to London Heathrow which came in at eighth place with 3.9 million available seats. Uh, Heathrow also made the list of one of the busiest international airports in the world, ranking second behind Dubai International Airport. Third place was taken by Amsterdam's uh, Schiphol, and then Paris' Charles de Gaulle came in fourth, and Singapore Chanji took fifth. Um, There are, however, different methods to rank airports. And if you take domestic flights into consideration alongside with international flights, then Atlanta Hartsfield International became, becomes the clear winner yet again. Hooray! Well, it's, it's going to drop way down now that you're not flying. Yeah, now that I'm not flying. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, he was drop. hardly flying anyway. Liz. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to anyway. build up his confidence there. Well, thanks. I, I need it <laughs> for sure. Uh, Dubai International retained the number two spot for the second year in a row. Uh, Haneda in Tokyo moves up one spot to the third busiest international airport. And London Heathrow comes in fourth. Dallas-Fort Worth falls from third to fifth busiest in 2023. Um, yeah, so interesting. Interesting stats there for um, big airports, for sure. Any commentary regarding that? Well, yeah, I, I always thought that Heathrow cheats a bit because everything that comes to Heathrow from uh, across the channel is an international flight. So that sort of bumps up their international mm. uh, status a bit more. But I was I was quite pleased to see them coming in at least uh, the the fourth busiest in the world for actual movements. That's good. We all were so happy about that. So Adam must be working really hard is all I can say. Well, not sure about that. <laughs> well, there's not many uh, of those airports will only have two runways. True. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. you're making uh, making do with what you've got really well. That's what you're saying. Indeed, oh, yeah. They can, Laura's uh, got a great comment here. They can squeeze here. a lot in. Well, Laura and our audience, uh, have they counted the air route between Jeff's bathroom and Hillel's home airport? <laughs> good point. Very good point. Good point, If, Laura, if that yes. was actually a commercial uh, location, I think that we would have just broken yeah. all the records, exactly. or Hillel would have. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Good comment. Thank you, Laura. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, another one from Paddle Your Own Canoe. Uh, Swiss International Airlines to use artificial intelligence to count passengers with special cameras installed at the aircraft door. Uh, they're trying out a new digital boarding system 
which uses AI to conduct a passenger count, makes sure no stowaways have managed to sneak on board. The Zurich-based carrier has decided to adopt the system after a successful three-month trial conducted earlier this year. During the trial, the airline wanted to make sure that the AI model could work in various light conditions and detect a parent carrying an infant in their arms. Unlike some airlines that rely on automated passenger reconciliation via boarding pass scanners, cabin crew at the Swiss flag carrier are still required to conduct a manual headcount of passengers using an old-fashioned clicker. Huh, interesting. New system uh, makes the process obsolete. Swiss says it, it expects the boarding process to be a lot quicker as a result. So, uh, interesting story there. A little bit more information about the company that came up with the, uh, developed the system uh, will be well, in the show. It is quicker, Jeff, until it makes a mistake. Because <laughs> if, <laughs> if you don't tally, then you've got to start it all over again. And having counted the passengers, then what are you going to make them all leave the airplane and count them in a second time? I'm <laughs> not sure how well, they're going to cope with that. Hmm. And what's to prevent someone doing using the you know manual clicker from making a mistake anyway? You accidentally click it twice or miss yeah. it, you know. Probably yeah, more of a more of probably. a chance of making mistakes using the clicker yeah. method, right? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure, but uh, I still don't see how they're going to get. Well, I don't know. People will when they work out what's happening just for fun. They're going to walk on the airplane, and then they'll duck down, run out, and come back on a second time just to see if they can fool the system. You know what fake folk are like. <laughs> yeah. Is this a problem that needs to be solved? I don't think so. For I feel like there's a, when I'm when I'm standing there waiting to board an airplane. I feel like there's a, a hundred things where I'm like, man, this could be done so much better. Yeah. And counting the passengers I as they agree, walk through the Nick. door is not one of those things that I think yeah. of. <laughs> I mean, it would be much better to have video cameras in the cabin that, that would just spot empty seats. Well, there Good you point. Go. I, I think it'd be cool to use AI, you know, like if they wanted to uh, tighten up their weight and balance procedures or something and try to figure out how to use AI to get a better estimate of, um, you know, the physical characteristics of everybody that got on the airplane. I think that's something that AI could do better than people, but this just doesn't seem like it would be adding a lot of value. No, it's almost like using AI to use AI. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think you might be right there, Jeff. And considering that the AI program I use to do artwork can't even work out how many fingers people are supposed to have. That's a big red flag I'm there. I'm not filled with confidence. <laughs> it, was, it was... Oh, Point out it was AI that generated our uh, APG players uh, skit as well. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. How good that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty spot on. I, I did add um, the uh, a lot of gray hair. I don't know if you noticed that. That I did was notice, not in the yes. original. <laughs> a few uh, tweaks, you know. Yeah, a little. Yeah. You just got to. That's what Nick does. He, he takes the initial uh, offering from AI and then he does a lot of manual work using photoshop he takes the and teeth else. out of all the various parts of the body and puts them all <laughs> yeah. back in the mouth and, <laughs> and gets, yeah, exactly and gets right. the right number yeah. of fingers <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing that's the old mustache yes <laughs> exactly hey um this next one uh also no this is from the bbc believe it or not uh here's the headline a firm develops jet fuel made entirely from human poo Yes, and this was sent to us from uh, Sir Peter of Kent, and he said, what a load of... Um, so, let's see. Uh, chemists at a lab in Gloucestershire. Did I say that right? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's just not bad. Yes. 
have turned the waste into kerosene. James Highgate from Firefly Green Fuels, uh, he's the CEO, said, we wanted to find a really low-value feedstock that was highly abundant and, and stinky. And of course, poo is abundant. Independent tests by international aviation regulators found it was nearly identical to standard fossil jet fuel. Firefly's team worked with Cranfield University to examine the fuel's life cycle carbon impact. It concluded that Firefly's fuel has a 90% lower carbon footprint than standard jet fuel. Mr. Highgate, who has been developing low carbon fuels for 20 years, said although the new fuel was chemically just like fossil-based kerosene, it has no fossil carbon. It's a fossil-free fuel. Of course, Energy would be used in production, but when looking at the fuel's life cycle, a 90% saving in uh, is mind-blowing. So yes, we have to use energy, but it's much lower compared to the production of fossil fuels, he added. Across the world, flying contributes uh, around 2% of global carbon emissions, which contribute to climate, uh, climate change. In a small, fr- Did you like my, I, I uh, uh, changed the uh, little caption for that photo of uh, James Highgate. I added the, the last couple of words there. I was hoping somebody oh, okay. would notice that. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, his quote is, James Highgate said that the new fuel is hugely exciting and very stinky. Um, well, yeah, I was just going to comment that it might add a different quality to contrails uh, in the, you know, if you fly through one or when one drifts down to it, the it won't just surface. Be- Water vapor anymore? No, no, it'll be Uh-oh. stinky water vapor. <laughs> mm. Well, it, it it's pretty uh, crappy. Um, this whole whole idea. <laughs> Actually, uh, it's pretty amazing. Now they talk. They go into a little bit more detail in the article about um, how how much poo is required to make a, what you know a certain quantity. Um, and I think they said the UK's total sewage supply would meet about. of the country's total aviation fuel demand. He said, it may sound small, but he insists that's pretty exciting. We're excited. We're obviously And and I do appreciate uh, in our chat room, Jennifer says, let's use dog poo. I have tons of that. Oh, good idea. Four-legged friends. Yeah. Jen, are you collecting it or something? (laughs) Well, you have to collect it for a short period of time before you dispose of it. Actually, this is the, the hardest thing, which surely is going to be getting hold of it all. I mean, uh, <laughs> in the olden days, they usually had people that would go around and collect all, all the urine and all the poo. Oh, there's a whole uh, new job uh, classification coming up. Yeah, so perhaps it's uh, yeah, perhaps a new job we can invent for people in England. I was just going to say, if we could make it efficient enough, Nick, we could just have the... Uh, Conversion system on the airplane. Oh, we could have oh, yeah. pilot, some pilot yes. sitting on his throne and, and then he, going right yeah. into the fuel tanks. All the passengers sitting on toilets. Yeah. And then feed them really hot curries yeah. or something. <laughs> then, you, then you don't even have to you don't even have to fuel up the airplane yeah. between uh between exactly. st- legs. I think you're simplifying the process of distilling this kerosene fuel uh, from poo uh, a little bit too much. Because yeah. <laughs> like 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 a lot of these uh, uh biofuels, I, I do worry that the energy required to distill it and turn it into kerosene might actually uh, exceed the benefit we're going to see from it. But I don't know. Well, perhaps, yeah, it's an interesting concept. It good, I don't know. That's for yeah. sure. 
Um, just a reminder to everyone, uh, while we were doing the live recording of episode 600, yay, yay uh, we are inviting those who are in our live audience uh, to join us if they'd like. And uh, we have a uh, link that you can use to uh, join us and say hello and uh, give us some well wishes or um, or maybe negative commentary. I don't know. No, yeah. they're not Abuse allowed. Us. That's not allowed today. Yeah. Oh, it's not allowed? Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? It would be fun, though, if somebody came on and, and had some negative commentary. Uh, we could just, like, uh, roast them alive while they're here yeah. with us. Yeah, we could. So Indeed. That's one hour mark, everybody. One hour. All right. Uh, we're at the one hour mark, according to Liz. Um, let's see. Let's go with uh, this next item uh, from CNN.com. Uh, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, is taking a new step to a- address its overworked and chronically understaffed air traffic controller core. Uh, the agency expected is expected to announce this week that it is convening a special panel to review the impact and safety risks of on-the-job fatigue facing air traffic controllers, two sources familiar with the announcement said. The FAA declined to comment. The move follows a string of near collisions this year involving commercial flights on or near the runways of major airports. Short-staffed air traffic control towers was among the issues cited in a report last month from an expert panel uh, the FAA assembled to address the close calls. Uh, In a near collision at uh, Austin Bergstrom International Airport, or I like to call it Ostrom, Uh, In February, the air traffic controller involved was working an overtime shift during a six-day work week. And uh, let's see, and they talk about some other uh, near collisions at various airports. uh, And the FAA has been repeatedly criticized for not addressing the issue of air traffic controller staffing more aggressively, with the agency facing a shortage of more than 3,000 controllers here in the U.S. That's a lot. yeah, the uh, head of the National Air Traffic Controllers Association, NATCO, NATCA, I guess, labor, uh, labor union, said last month the FAA's hiring efforts produced only six new controllers in this past year. Wow. Now, that can't be right. That's incredible. No. Right. Well, that does seem a, a complete waste six? of effort. But then again, I do remember uh, listening to um, the best uh, aviation podcast in the entire world. Uh-huh. And... Um, they seem to suggest that actually the window for applying was very small, um, and uh, it wasn't like they seemed to make a, were making a great effort to uh, attract all sorts of people in the to the industry, and uh, that seems to be reflected. If that number is correct, that, that can't be right. Maybe six? It, maybe it's a net number. Like there's been a lot of retirements, and only six net. Yeah, yeah. that could be Liz. It could be a net gain. I don't know. There's a link to that in the in the story, and it links to a, a CNN story that says uh, the Air Traffic Control Union, National Air Traffic Controllers Association, um, President Rich Santa told the Senate subcommittee Thursday that growth in the thousands is needed, but the air traffic controller workforce has, has grown by only six fully trained controllers over the last year. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty awful. So that a net is, number that it is a net number. Basically. Wow. They've got to be playing with, like, semantics a little bit there, right? Like, there may be a bunch of controllers who aren't fully qualified, but they're qualified in, like, some positions but not all or something. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Nick. Because, I mean, you start off in 
ground and then you go up uh, and right. the tower and control the circuit and then you go and do radar. Um, so yeah, there are lots of steps to become fully qualified and right. ca- I'm guessing it could take years. Well, well so, yes. Some of them are leaving to become pilots, as we know. Yeah, some are leaving to become pilots. That is true. Um, what is what is oh, that? That's mine. That's over. That's oh, here. okay. Liz has some some yeah, kind of alarm going off alarm. in the background. Sorry. I'm looking at all my uh, technology here, going, "What is it that's making that noise?" Um, <laughs> but uh, six hundred well, shows that you still haven't got it right. No, we'll never we'll <laughs> never get it right. <laughs> That's for anyone for anyone out there who's interested in a classic, you should find the show where uh, Nick oh, yeah, and Jeff oh, try to find the beep in the oh hotel room. Yeah, it took my uh, hotel room that apart. That is a great show. It's it one of the best ones, I think. It is. Now, speaking speaking of one of the best, it's a good show. No, it's a very good show. It's one of the better aviation podcasts out there. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's from the Podfather, one of the originators yeah. of podcasting. Um, yeah, so those OB guys m- might be the very best, but we're one of them. Yeah, well, definitely. One. <laughs> <Out there. laughs> I think you've got some video coming up here, Jeff. That's pretty I interesting. I do, Liz. Yeah. So um, let's see. This next item is uh, from skygofly.com. Skygofly.com. Interesting. Um, in a recent weather event early Sunday morning, uh, Buenos Aires uh, was hit by an extreme storm causing widespread disruption and tra- tragic loss of life. The storm brought intense rainfall and powerful winds, leading to significant damage throughout the city. Regrettably, the storm has been responsible for the death of at least 13 individuals. Now, we have some uh, video um, that uh, someone took of the storm in progress and a a, a little a sad little... 737 it appears and uh so let's play this little video here we go jennifer should look away this is not good for the stairs yeah look away jennifer uh, the the stairs the air stairs are gonna get hurt oh no. so this 737 was turned 90 degrees I'm wondering, did they ha- not have the parking brake set or chocks installed on this? Uh, well, they may have done. They may have had chocks, but that kind of force is probably just going to push them out of the way. Um, I doubt they got the parking brake on, but, you know, when you know a storm of that ferocity is coming, you actually tie the airplane down <laughs> to stop it doing exactly this. So I'm I've never seen an airliner that, like, t- tied down. Well, uh, the, certainly we had it in our ops manual for Hong Kong when, um, uh, you know, typhoons, typhoons were forecast uh, of over a certain uh, um, category. If we couldn't get the aircraft uh, airborne, because when we knew a, a storm was coming in, we refueled after landing, straight after landing, so that we had enough fuel to escape if need be, and everyone was put on standby on call effectively while we were there but uh, if we couldn't get them off yes we'd time down we've got two, okay. in, two in the green room jeff just so you know i see that liz thank you and uh one one of them uh has gotten me um tickled uh tickled pink and i i'm sorry tim but we're gonna have to go with with this uh person who uh, calls herself definitely not laura oops there we go hello uh please state who you are and where you're from uh, I'm definitely not Laura. 
And coming to you from my uh, airplane studio. Very nice. Awesome. <laughs> nice studio. Nice. Uh, Definitely not modern old. airliner. Out in the boneyard out west. Yeah. <laughs> nice mustache, I must uh, say, uh, sir, ma'am. Oh. Well, I thought I thought that was like. I thought we had to have one to get on here. Well, that's, that is true, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be a, to be an airline captain, for yes. sure. As I said, all the best pilots in the world have mustaches. Yes, girls too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She she clearly hasn't learned all the lessons oh that God, you and Laura. Captain Nick have, Jeff, because uh, there's not much gray in that mustache. No, there's not a lot of wisdom in her mustache. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have you already made the appointment for your waxing there, Laura? Well, now, Nick, we can't get into those kind of personal details here. Yeah, that is kind of personal. Yeah, oh, okay. HR, going to intervene there. Yeah, I'm taking notes. It's okay. Definitely not, Laura. Well, Laura, uh, I mean, not Laura. Uh, have, you, have you had a wonderful Christmas uh, holiday celebration season so far? I, I, you know, I have. It's been a nice break my actual work uh shuts down this time of year for a little bit so i've had some time off and i'm switching to a day schedule so that's gonna be oh wow change so when i go to the system (laughs) yeah so but yeah it's gonna be nice so i'm enjoying that i hall boxes has a question for you uh how comfortable is the center pedestal to sit on (laughs) well you know uh we have a special padding that we use to uh, mitigate gotcha. for that. So, gotcha. As you know, Jeff. I mean, yeah, I got a lot of padding down there to <laughs> uh, make it more comfortable. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's awesome. So, Laura, uh, well, somebody that I think maybe your sister or I don't know. What are your pronouns? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm confused. Um, uh, so, somebody. Oh, oh, it oh, is Laura. Look, oh, you fooled <laughs> us. It is Laura. She, she took her mustache off. I didn't recognize her. <laughs> Laura, uh, famously, uh, what was it, a uh, couple of Oshkoshes ago yeah. um, during the Opposing Bases live uh, recording, uh, stood up and and uh, re- represent uh, yeah, APG. Baby. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Famous. Um, so, you know, it, next year... Uh, I'm declaring my free agency as a heckler, so oh, okay. I'm for <laughs> a little bit more money. More. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the highest bidder this oh, year. So okay, we'll have some we'll, coffee funds. We'll talk. Loaded up by then. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll see if we can. You work gotta keep out in some. mind that Jeff's on a limited income now as a retiree. Yeah, I'm a pensioner now. <laughs> fixed, fixed income. <laughs> fixed income. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've just realized, you know, if Laura's sitting on the parking brake, that's probably how that 737 managed to turn around in the wind. She, Yeah, she maybe she bumped it. Yeah, uh, maybe she the... bumped the parking brake off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tim Van Ram's disappeared. Yeah. Oh, no. Is well, that a 737 you're in there, Laura? That's a, I think it's an MD-88. Is... Oh, really? Uh, let me take it's a closer me, look. So. It looks like there's a little too much glass on that panel for it to be an MD-88. No, that no, is no. that's actually that is a mad dog. Yeah, we had glass. We had a glass uh, ADI and a nav display, which is blocked by the uh, control yoke, which is kind of a problem, a little bit of a problem. <laughs> uh, we yeah, those to, side sticks, uh, yeah. much better. 
And then the new B seven one seven arrangement is a lot better too because everything is a little bit higher, larger screens, and nothing is blocked by the control yoke. Uh, but the uh, but the Mad Dogs, yeah, that's a Mad Dog uh, uh, cockpit for sure. Nice good one. taste. Yeah. Now that, that's um, a, that's good production value there. That is good well, production value. <laughs> I just wanted to hop on and thank you guys for all the hours and hours of hours and hours and hours uh, rubbish <laughs> <laughs> of quality content. <laughs> you guys have. Uh, provided but also it's been so great to get to go a lot of you in person and hopefully uh we can get nick back over here sometime and yeah and hopefully are you going to be at oshkosh this year laura you think my plans are yes so. okay well maybe i'll see you there because i might be driving up in my brand new shiny motorhome and see yeah the party the, the party bus that's what we're oh wait a minute excellent yeah, yes. yeah we'll soon be able to already that. Perfect. yeah we've already uh, Got your spot all set. And oh, no. Your schedule set up. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, let me check my schedule. Oh, yeah. I can't make it uh, this year. Oh, no, no. Liz, Liz has it all. I've already worked it out with Liz. She's on board. Oh, no. You guys are going to destroy my brand new motorhome. Oh, gosh. You just got to break it in a little bit. Okay. Captain Nick will definitely be here now. He's, he's on board. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, well, great to Laura. see you, Laura. Thanks yeah, for, uh, for joining us. on your retirement. Thank you. Appreciate it. And hopefully yeah. 600 you, more. And yeah, we love you. <laughs> Have a great New Year's, Laura. Good yeah, to see thanks, you. Guys. Bye, Laura. Bye. Now, I guess we need to bring yes, this old this old man on board. State who you are and where you're from and why you're here. <laughs> Good morning. Can you hear me? Well, we can. Great. I'm Tim Van Ram. I'm in Marin County, 20 miles north of the Golden Gate Bridge, where the sun's come up only about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> And this one decided to wake up. Oh, <laughs> who is this? What's her name? This is Willie. Oh, Willie. Hey, Willie. Say hi, Willie. It's how much? How much airplane yep. fuel could Willie? So, yeah, make? congratulations on your retirement. Thank you. And your upcoming New Year and your new RV. Hope to see you out on the RV parks. Yeah. Especially, especially my favorite one out at uh, Dillon Beach, Tomales Bay. Hey, when I head out to uh, California, especially Northern California, I'm definitely going to get some some tips from you on where to where uh, good places to, to you camp out. You guys can out. go in convoy. Yeah, then with your size rig, it's uh, you get to add the extra outside living room, which is fabulous <laughs> because then you get to interact with all the other campers. The people with the bigger ones, like you had at uh, at Oshkosh, tend to sit inside and. Mm-hmm. Not interact. Yeah, so, not yeah. Like you definitely get to meet more people in, in the smaller rig. Well, you know me, I'm pretty antisocial. So, right, exactly. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was up on I was up on the roof taking care of some uh, Christmas decorations, and my phone fell out, and it hit the deck, uh-oh. shattered into a million pieces, and that's when I found out that airplane mode doesn't work. <laughs> oh, bam! You should have warned me. I should have had the uh, the old rim shot uh, ready to go there. Uh, okay, I'm gonna have to. We're just gonna have to wait until I find it. Could be some time though. Um, Happy New Year to everyone else in the chat. It's great seeing everyone. Cheers, Tim. Yeah, thanks you, for uh, joining us, Tim. I can't find the rim shot. So you wanna, I was going to say, you want to play the Jeopardy music while we're waiting for you to find the other music. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Bye, Tim. Okay. See ya, Tim. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate right. it. Here we go. Yeah. No, that's not a rim shot. That's a gunshot. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Hey, 
Looks like we have somebody else that's uh, here to join us. Hey, Logan. North Dakota. Thanks. Hi, I'm Logan. Muted. I was muted. Now you're not. Oh, nice shirt. <laughs> I like the shirt. APG shirt. Acme Air. Um, so uh, what, what are you up to, sir? And uh, where are you from? North Dakota. A little okay. town called Kildeer. 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 Kill you killed deer kill, there, okay? Killed deer, yeah. With your with your car, truck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, uh, yeah, just enjoying the uh, slowdown from the busy season, the delivery season, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. he's he he works with a certain um, number of letter uh, company that delivers uh, parcels. The, the, the poo the poo colored you know delivery vehicles. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very united <laughs> company that they're, they're, they're going to be the launch uh, customer for that. It's a service, a united service that delivers parcels. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how how much more we could give in clues. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I guess it must have been pretty. Uh, it's always the busiest time of the year for you, isn't it? Right before Christmas time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, no, it was good. Smooth weather season, up there so. is it uh, pretty nice and sunny and and uh, warm? Tropical. Yeah, actually, this is the warmest uh, December I think I've experienced since I've been up here. We've been close to fifty degrees for the last couple of weeks. Oh wow! So, yeah, so we we have no snow on the ground right now. Hmm. Now, I think uh, Liz was telling us that uh, kind of the same thing in the Toronto yeah. area. Not a lot of snow, El I guess, Nino. because of the El Nino. Yeah, that's what they say. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, cool. So, All right. So uh, yeah, I know you uh, you have been to Oshkosh for several years in a row now. Are you planning on being there again uh, this upcoming 24? Yeah, I got the time off already so um excellent tickets tickets booked already the party's so i'll be there awesome well look forward to seeing you there this year hopefully yep and um i'm just in awe of all these people who make holiday and travel plans so far in advance i'm like i don't even know what i'm doing tomorrow well, for, for new year's with, with, with my company. but i mean this is an important event so it's, it's a good thing mm-hmm. well with our company we have to bid our vacation i get you. in yeah. in november so uh, for the oh, for wow. the entire year yep wow uh, so, yeah if i don't do it by november then i probably don't go so well. so. i fully understand i uh i got married during Oshkosh, and I had to tell my wife that I was going to be occupied for our anniversary for the next 50 to 60 years. <laughs> so I've got that much planned out. <laughs> how, how did she take that? You're a brave uh, man. Oh, uh, she was fine. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, it's, she doesn't it's, all want about comp- it's all about compromise. I skipped Oshkosh <laughs> for one year and uh, said, that's the one you get. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Very, very benevolent of you. Yeah, what a guy. What, what did you do instead, Nate? Go fishing? Instead of my anniversary? No, instead of going to Oshkosh, did you go fishing or did you spend the time with your wife? For oh, your no, wedding? I was tr- yeah, trying to manage, uh, <laughs> manage all right. Thanks for expectations, in, personalities, all of the above. Oh, boy. Uh, I could see that uh, was probably a huge train wreck. Um. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Uh, let's see. Any any other questions for our um, our uh, 
parcel delivery guy. Now, are you still working on, I know you're a drone pilot, correct? Yeah. Uh, well, remote, what do we call it? S-U-A-S operator. I don't okay. like using the, the drone pilot term. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, is, that a, is that derogatory, uh, the, the term drone? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It has a certain connotation. Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I'm actually headed to Florida in a couple of weeks to get a infrared camera certification Ooh. for for the drone. So, um, working on a new job that requires that certification. So. Ah, okay. And then, uh, were at, at some point, weren't you uh, taking uh, flying lessons, or, or or are you a uh, commercially licensed or? or uh... I ha- I have my I have my private pilot certificate. Okay, that's what um, I thought. No, we're actually working on buying an airplane right Ooh. now. It's in the works. Um, a little Cessna 140. Oh, nice a little oh, tail we, we were we were down in Texas. It's it's in Texas. Okay. Um, getting worked on right now. Nice. So. Yeah, so Laura's got a little bit of a diss here for Logan. <laughs> Laura says uh, she doesn't. She didn't realize that drone operators were such divas. Mm. Wow, Logan, she's throwing down the gauntlet right there. She is. Whoa. I got nothing for you, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> and so many women have heard that from you, uh, Logan. <laughs> but doing bad. I really need to find Damn the rim show. shot. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just coming up with all these zingers. And others are coming up with them as well, uh, but I just uh, I can't figure I can't find it. <laughs> this is sad. Anyway, um, thanks, Logan. yeah, thanks for joining us, Logan. We appreciate yeah. it. It's good to see you. Glad that uh, you were able to join the live stream. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Enjoy yeah. the uh, tropical winter you're having. Yes, thank <laughs> yep, you. Yep, for All sure. the best, Logan. Now, very important comment from Jennifer here for you, Nick. Uh, for you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, for Jeff. Oh, for me. Uh, Jen Niffer in our audience says, just a reminder that I have an RV parking spot and electrical hookup at my house. Yes. I have not forgotten, by the yeah. way, Jen. <laughs> I just didn't want to I didn't want to talk too much to you about it because I, I didn't want to like o- overstay my welcome before I even get the RV. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a nice central location up there uh, for the eastern U.S., isn't it? Oh. Uh, or I guess, uh, what would you the call Midwest. that area? Midwest, Great yes. Lakes area. Yeah. Okay. I don't fly airplanes anymore, so I'm terrible with geography now. Um, <laughs> I was pretty useless when I did fly airplanes. <laughs> yes, and you you'll still to, are pretty you'll useless. you have to brush up Nick. for the RV, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah actually, with an RV, it doesn't matter if you get lost, does it? You can just stop and Like, oh, I'm already home. Yeah, if we got Camp. one more news, yeah. or we can go right to getting to know us, whatever you like. Uh, why don't we do, we cover that last news item, Liz, okay. and uh, then we'll go to getting to know us. All righty. Yeah, righty. So uh, let's see here. This one is from bbc.com. Uh, Southwest Airlines has been fined a record 140 million U.S. dollars by the Department of Transportation um, over its operational meltdown in 2022. Uh, the penalty is about 30 times larger than any other previous fine leveled mm. against an airline in U.S. history. Millions were stranded after Southwest canceled more than, they only canceled 16,900 flights. <laughs> is that all? That's flights, yeah. not passengers. Like <laughs> most of their schedule, probably? <laughs> I think it's all their schedule, yes. Yeah, it's all During a busy week of holiday travel last winter, 
U.S. officials said the fine sets a new precedent and sends a clear message. If airlines fail their passengers, we will use the full extent of our authority to hold them accountable, uh, said Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. 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 I don't know. How do you say that? Buttigieg. There we go. In a statement on Monday. Uh, The majority of the fine will go towards compensating future Southwest passengers affected by cancellations or delays caused by the airline, while $35 million will be paid to the government. Uh, As part of the compensation fund, the Department of Transportation has mandated Southwest to issue passengers a $75 flight credit voucher if their arrival is delayed more than three hours for reasons within Southwest's control. Uh, In a news release on Monday, Southwest said it was pleased to have reached this settlement with the U.S. officials. Pleased? Hmm. Not sure if that's yeah. probably the most accurate word. Maybe it could have been worse. Um, uh, finally, we'll end this with a quote from uh, the chief executive officer of Southwest Airlines, Bob Jordan. He says, I can't say it enough. We messed up. That's nice, though, that they're Fair taking. Yeah. That sounds like Captain Also. Yeah, it does. He didn't say messed up, though. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> you know, they already, the, the article does point out the airline did issue $600 million in refunds and reimbursements um, that they paid back to passengers. So wow. It's wow. A lot of fine on top of all of that. A lot of money. Yeah, that must have emptied the war chest. Mm. Yeah. And just $35 million directly to the government. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's more than I pay in taxes every year, that's for sure. <laughs> just a bit. Yeah. All right. Alrighty. With that, let's do this. Getting to know us. It's the time of the show where we get to look at uh, the crew, the APG crew, wearing very, very silly hats. If you're watching the video. Mine isn't. Mine's just a well, nice beanie hat. I know. Together. Yeah, I'm wondering how that happened. <laughs> um, all right. Um, let's see. Steph, before her voice gives out. Yeah, we better get Steph you know, uh, on here before yes. she completely well, loses her voice. There's actually been a couple of questions, like, why is your voice so good? Uh, well, tell us today. Then. I'm going to tell you. So um, somehow I've managed to go almost the past three years, like the full length of all the uh, time during the height of the pandemic with very minimal um, illness or being sick. And I suppose that's finally just caught up with me. Um I know some folks will recall have been keeping up with the shows that I, um, there's at least one episode I missed because I didn't have a voice somewhere around Thanksgiving um, here in the U.S. as well. So just four or five weeks ago, I had kind of two weeks of this upper respiratory viral crud, um, which was not very fun, but wasn't horribly um, uh, down with it, I guess. I didn't have a lot of like fatigue or muscle aches or anything during that first bout of it back in November. Um, you know, did all the usual test stuff at that time, didn't have COVID, didn't have the flu, um, kind of just took the standard two weeks for it to run its course and finally got my voice back and I felt good for a couple of weeks. And then, um, this past Sunday, so Christmas Eve, I was actually at the, um, the local NFL game. It was the, uh, Panthers hosting the uh, Green Bay Packers um, on a nice sunny, like 60-ish degree afternoon. It was really nice to be outside and take the game in, but I kind of just started to feel like the back of my throat was, you know, a little off. I kind of just felt a little off um, and then woke up the next morning on Christmas Day, which was not a nice day. It was rainy and miserable and um, 
kind of gross weather and just felt like just just horrible you know i had um not i didn't have a fever uh never never um had anything over a normal temperature but chills and uh uh sweats and aches and my throat was on fire and i was congested again so it felt a lot worse with with this go around of whatever it is um, but I had a couple of days off of work, fortunately, and the weather was not great. So I kind of just, um, you know, was, was miserable along with the weather for a few days. Um, and it seems like it's, it's kind of just par for the course for me, where if I'm, if I've got congestion and post nasal drip, I end up losing my voice as part of all of it. So I think that's kind of just a non-specific thing that happens to me, but I've lost my voice again. It's kind of cooperating right now. It takes a lot of effort to make volume. So um, sorry that it's it's not ideal for podcasting and that it chose, uh, you know, the 600th episode and Jeff's birthday and retirement and everything else to, to no problem. crop up. But you know, interestingly, the, what you just described, the post-nasal drip and the into yeah. your chest and your voice going and everything, that happened to me several times the last couple of uh, winters. And so far, knock on well, I can't find any wood anywhere. That's what uh, she said. I know said. that's what she said. Um, uh, the uh, <laughs> that I you know I've, so far this good. year this season it, uh, I haven't gotten that that whole thing going on. So. Our doctor Mark coming Anderson up on, has a, a yeah Mark has Mark who was here earlier with us <laughs> Mark has prescribed an urgent course of go around to Cillin. Yes, um, you know I, I thought about it, but just man the side effects of the stomach cramps. I don't know if I need more symptoms to to add. <laughs> I might take Laura's suggestion and add some some more cowbell. More cowbell. Yeah, definitely need but more But I'm coming cowbell. up on the end of, you know, uh, days off of work. So I did go by the local urgent care to do another round of tests. It's not COVID. It's not the flu. It's not strep throat. Who knows? Just it's the just crud. Like the grunge. Hmm. The yeah, creeping the crud. grunge. Yes. I'm glad I glad I could be here. And if my voice disappears completely, I'll just sit here and smile and wave for the rest of the show. So interestingly, I think anyway, uh, today is a Saturday, and you're usually busy flying on Saturday mornings. Uh, is it not? Uh, is it kind of shut down for the season? Or? Yeah, we take a couple of weeks off over the the winter because usually the weather's not great. Um, although Good for it's us. not. It's 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 cold. You know, mm-hmm. when it's forty four degrees on the ground, it's not a lot of fun up in the the air. It's a little chilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. All right. Anything else, stuff? Um, no, that's it. That sums up the rest of my, my holidays and, and the week has been, uh, yeah, okay. it's been a, been a journey. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here to help us celebrate, uh, uh you know, I remember that 200th episode, um, sort of, yeah, most, mostly <laughs> that mostly. we had down in Miami. The beginning parts of it. And, uh, 2016. And, uh, you know, it seems like, uh, not long ago at all that we, enjoyed uh, a lot of um, a lot of fun uh, and now 400 episodes later we're celebrating 600 and I mean it would just wouldn't be a celebration without you here so I'm glad you were here with oh, us glad stuff I, glad I can make it yeah um, Camacho how have you been doing how's how was your Christmas holiday uh, it's been good we've had uh, a bunch of people in town so haven't uh, accomplished much ancillary to the holidays, but got to spend a bunch of time with, um, my siblings who both came into town and then also my wife had, uh, her siblings in town. So 
a lot of running around between families, uh, doing a lot of holiday stuff. Uh, managed to sneak out to uh, the Kansas Aviation Museum, which I think we've talked about maybe about a year ago. Um, took my son and then my brother-in-law took his son and we went over there and, and uh, went through the museum again. It's always fun to take the boys over there. They have a, a good time and get uh, get intrigued by various uh, various um, different displays each time we're there. So um, that was a lot of fun. Outside of that, um, not much else, I guess. I think that's about it. All right. Any updates with the uh, debonair? Uh, I got a few more things uh, installed, ready to go to put the engine in. Um, I'm getting very close. I feel like every time we, uh, every time I think we're about there, I've got uh, two or three small tasks left to go. Then the two or three small tasks turn into uh, larger tasks than I had anticipated. Um, I was replacing a firewall pass through. Uh, that was a uh, with an aftermarket firewall pass through, basically, and I thought that would take me uh, about an hour, but it took some. Uh, modification and some rework on a couple of things on the airplane. So that ended up uh, eating up most of an evening, but uh, I've got the firewall all done, uh, all the control cables. So we're uh, very close to putting the engine in. Very good. Very good. We can't, uh, can't wait to hear more about that. And uh, looks like um, it would be best for me to, uh, tell you a little bit about because everybody else has left. Uh, let's see. Um, I've been doing a lot, a lot of singing, of course, for the, for the Christmas, uh, holidays at my church. And, uh, let's see on my birthday, I went to, uh, I treated myself to a movie. Uh, my birthday was a day after Christmas, uh, the day I turned 65 years old, the day that I am actually really officially technically retired, from uh, Delta Airlines. And so I went and saw the movie. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Uh, it's an Emma Stone. Uh, she stars in it uh, called Poor Things. And uh, it was really good. I, I really, I thought it was a pretty nice, a pretty good movie. Uh, thumbs up from me. Um, and then uh, that evening, uh, my my daughter gave me for my birthday a, a gift certificate uh, for um, the Little Alley Steak restaurant, which is very close to where I live within walking distance. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to use that sucker right away. And so I walked over there to the uh, little alley steak and had a wonderful uh, aged New York strip and uh, a spinach uh, brulee and uh, um, a nice, uh, I I didn't have any wine. I think I, no, I had some beer and uh, the restaurant uh, actually gave me a free uh, dessert, uh, a, a creme, br- creme brulee uh, that I actually had them put in a little takeaway box because I was stuffed by the time that arrived. And uh, anyway, so enjoyed uh, my my birthday at Little Little Alley Steak. And uh, just a couple of days ago, I had lunch with my youngest daughter, Natalie, and uh, we had a nice Vietnamese meal. And uh, so it was nice seeing Natalie. And we exchange gifts because her birthday is uh, New Year's Eve. So, you know, yeah, tomorrow. Um, 
And uh, let's see. Oh, I received about a week ago. I'm not sure exactly how long ago. Uh, received um, a an, uh, an well, it was a text message with some audio attached. And uh, you might recognize this person. Hey, Captain Jeff. I'm sitting up here in Massachusetts, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm up here celebrating the wonderful holiday of Christmas. Then I reminded myself that this is your time of year, your birthday time of year. And being that said, that means you're turning 65. You know what that means? You're getting out of my way in seniority. (laughs) No, I'm really only kidding. Gonna miss that ever-living crap out of you, sir. It was an absolute pleasure to be your co-pilot, your friend, your compadre on APG. Miss the community, miss you, miss the crew. Hope things are going really well. I'm looking forward to watching you as you go into retirement and enjoy the freedoms and and fun times you're going to have for many, 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 many years to come. I think you're going to enjoy exploring the country, not worrying about flying an airplane, although I know you'll miss it. But after 35 years, I think it is 35 years. Yeah, I think 35 years. Wow, that's a long time that you've been flying for Acme Airlines. I think you can finally maybe actually say the real airline now that you're not going to be uh, flying for him anymore. Delta. But in all honesty, congratulations. A long, happy, healthy, and exciting retirement ahead of you. Also, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, you've got 600th episode coming up. That's such an amazing accomplishment as well for this community that you've created. It's an amazing community of people, friends, fellow aviators, fellow aviation geeks, all of the above, who absolutely love listening to your show every week, week in, week out, and look forward to the interactions that you have provided and have built in this community. Yes, I know how humble you can be, but it is you, you, Captain Jeff, that has built this entire community. Congratulations. Wish you all the best of luck. Captain Dana signing out. Bye-bye. I refuse yeah, to take well, the well credit uh, or the blame. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I think it was great. Great, great compliment. Yeah. Yeah, it was great to hear from Dana. Dana. And was it the 300th episode that we did at uh, Dana's place? It, it was. We did? Yeah. He hosted us there. Yeah. We there, yeah. 300, 300 episodes, episodes ago. ago. Wow. That's, uh, that's great. Thank you uh, very much, Dana, for sending that wonderful audio message. And uh, we see uh, Main Man Micah is in our uh, green room. We're going to get right to you, Main Man. Uh, but first, I'd like to play some feedback that we received from uh, some dude that hosts another podcast. Hi, Jeff and the gang. Pip here. I know airtime's at a premium on today's show, so I'll keep this super short. Just wanted to say uh, happy APG 600. Happy holidays, happy Christmas, happy birthday, happy retirement, happy New Year, happy Festivus, happy landings, happy camping, and happy Gilmore. Love and hugs to everyone. Bye. <laughs> I love the last, happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> always, uh, always great to hear from you, Pip. We saw you in our last episode at that uh, Christmas curry. And uh, in fact, this is a, a, a pick from that uh, gathering, uh, wearing that very smart-looking at Fly Acme Airlines uh, cap, 
so thank you for taking the time to send in that uh, little uh, congratulatory audio, Pip. We do appreciate it. And he was with us here in the live chat. He said he had to uh, had to leave for a few minutes, but he said he was going to be back. Yes, Jen, I, I, I fly for or flew for Delta Airlines. She said she had no idea. <laughs> Jeff, do you want to do uh, Nick's getting to know us and then we'll bring Mike in? It's such a well-kept secret. Yeah, let's do see that. see how she um, yes. would have missed that. Oh, I'm sorry. That was, <laughs> I should probably mute myself when I'm talking to Liz in the back channel, shouldn't I? <laughs> One of these days, I, it's, I'm pretty new at this whole thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. more episodes, you'll be smooth. Yeah. I'm going to figure this out. Trust me. Um, why don't we go to uh, Nick, uh, Captain Nick, and hear what he has been up to, and then uh, we'll bring in Micah. So uh, go ahead, Captain Nick. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, well, it's just been Christmas uh, week. We normally have our family all together, but uh, for the first time in a long time, my number two son uh, no longer lives close, so uh, he has moved house to um, Mark Anderson's uh, area uh, in Cardiff in Wales oh. and uh, moved in with his uh, the new love of his life there. So uh, he was very busy. He did pop over just to uh, um, spend a day or two with us, uh, and we all managed to get together at uh, the restaurant you know, Jeff, just in the village, the Majaban, mm -hmm. uh, lovely Indian restaurant. Had a great time there, and then we enjoyed a... A great Christmas with my number one son, uh, Rick, who came down from London. Anyway, that's, uh, that's been it, really. Uh, you know, like everyone else, just enjoyed uh, a nice family Christmas. Uh, and I'm actually looking at my Christmas present now, which are a pair of nice, large and bright um, fill-in lights uh, for... Uh, video so i think they've made quite a difference i really good. like them they're, yeah they're they look good. great yeah i've only got them on 50 percent power wow. as well otherwise they're it's like looking yourself. at the sun <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get a nice to wear, tan yeah some sunscreen <laughs> absolutely well look uh, i'm just delighted to be able to find enough time over christmas to produce a plain town for the 600 i hope we'll hear that in a little while but the only other thing I did of any note was, of course, the artwork from last week. Oh, yeah. And um, this was a funny one, really, wasn't it? Because uh, you said you'd be turning into a pumpkin. That gave us the main idea for the character. But the rest of it, I realized, is based around something that doesn't really happen uh, in the United States. It's all very UK-orientated, which uh, are the pantomimes that are held in almost every theatre in the country, uh, which are a kind of a, a slapstick um, event, uh, a story of, uh, of an old fairy tale of some kind. So y you are actually dressed as Cinderella there. So That's I me? Yeah, that's How can you, you tell? Cinderella. Well, <laughs> well, I've actually taken your eyes, your glasses, uh -huh. uh, your eyebrows, and your moustache. I definitely uh, recognise the moustache. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and put you on the pumpkin, so that's you. I gave you a few extras, which are a bit panto-orientated, so forgive me. You've In your right arm, you've uh, got a hook. I see that. From yeah. Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. So uh, you'll have seen the hook the Captain Hook wears. Uh -huh. um, at the bottom of your feet is an apple, 
Uh, that would have been probably eaten by Snow White. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a cat in front of the milestone for Dick Whittington. Uh, turn again, Dick Whittington. Uh, we've got uh, your slipper, uh, of course. I don't know mm-hmm. if you'd fit in that slipper or not sitting oh, yes, on the, I, I do. He likes heels. The milestone. Indeed, yes. Of course, you're surrounded by mistletoe because uh, you're just waiting for everyone to come and kiss you. Um, and um, then That's we've true. got <laughs> Al- Aladdin. Al- Aladdin. Yep. And, Get a close-up uh, of that, de- uh, Liz, of Aladdin. <laughs> we did deal with a story um, where some unfortunate uh, person who... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who had been flying uh, in a what do they call those things, Steph? A wingsuit. A wingsuit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who was un- decapitated? Uh, so since Rick wasn't going to be with us, <laughs> I was pretty certain about that. Uh, I thought I'd include him as being the decapitated. Decapitated Aladdin. You know, I did tell uh, him that you know he was concerned that he wasn't going to be able to make the 600 episode. And I said, "Well, <laughs> hey, don't lose your head." You know? Oh yeah, very <laughs> good. Boom. Very good. And, of course, he's actually being decapitated by Santa, which I think was a bit unfair, yeah. I think. Uh, now, for those who like searching the pictures, uh, th- for some reason, I shall have to have a word with my picture editor. Uh, the APG logo is missing from yes. this one. But I do have the show number. Now, uh, yeah, you, I think, thought it was uh, amongst those syringes. No. Uh, which, of course, came from the story we had about EpiPens. Mm-hmm. But they could equally have been Steph's uh, go around a cillian, I think. I had no idea, Nick. I was Did looking everywhere. Right I could not find any numbers for the show the episode. And Liz thought it was inferred from your next, you know, episode 600. Uh, but I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw in uh, the uh, zoom in on that syringe because it looks like there was some writing and I couldn't really make it out. So I'm thinking that's the, no. the best guess that I have. So that's why. Well, I did this you, were, you actually, it was a good guess. Next APG uh, 600, because mm-hmm. if you look underneath the line, you're not going to be able to do this, are you? Or perhaps you can. Uh, uh, on the line that separates APG from 600, you yeah. can see the faint outline of 599 because the sign writer obviously got the numbers wrong. So he filled them in and oh. put a, scored them out. So that was 599 and then 600. He wrote 600 underneath. Go. So now you just know. have to look closely underneath that uh, diagonal line on the milestone and you'll oh, find 599. Okay, well, let me see so if was... I can uh, if I can somehow Laura has zoom a comment in. here, Nick, that your art is... This is about as unhinged <laughs> as the pantomime videos I've seen. Yes, I think you're probably right there. Yes. I, uh, I see it. I'm, like, I'm zooming in on the, um, on, on the photo, and I'll put the zoom in of what you were talking about for the show number in our, in our, sh- our um, chapter images. Yeah. And you'll be able to see it. Excellent. So, okay. All right. Yeah, I know. It's it's pretty weird, isn't it? And I'm not quite sure what a pumpkin has to do with Cinderella. But oh no, she of course her carriage. Yes, yes. Uh, was, was a pumpkin, pumpkin pulled right. by yeah. six white mice. Right. So uh, there you go. That's I where just the like the mustache on the pumpkin. I think that's yeah. I, I think... He, it's a bit of a ferocious version yeah. of your mustache. I had to stretch it to match his. <laughs> his uh, upper lip, and so it became a bit. And you've got. 
You've got quite, <laughs> very good. You've got you've got quite staring eyes in that picture, which was uh, are a bit disconcerting. Almost I think. as demented yeah. as that. Very disturbing. In fact, when I was looking at the zoomed-in image there, Nick, I'm thinking, thank goodness he didn't use my real eyes. But uh, I guess I'm wrong. I guess <laughs> they, they are were my real eyes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, your real eyes, your real glasses, your real eyebrows. I'm sorry about that. Wow. Yeah. And your we real teeth. Uh, was that it for you? That's a bit uh, it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, okay. I've got nothing else. Yeah, All right. Well, let's uh, no nothing to be sorry about, sir. Uh, let's uh, do this quickly. Oh, that's the wrong one. How about this one? There we go. Jeff Smith, the Jingle Master. Johnny, how much more coffee? No thanks. I'll have some though. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah, the coffee fund. APG Java Jive by Jeffrey Smith. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, that's your way to support the show financially if you have the resources to do so. A couple of different ways that you can do that. Uh, one is called the Coffee Fund Classic Method. And since our last episode, we have Ludger Humpert and Michael Smith. And I have to say, both of these contributions to the APG Coffee Fund Classic were very, very generous. So thank you, gentlemen. I think it was both of them said on, in honor of 600 episodes. And in fact, Michael Smith added a note, the reason for the asterisk there. Thanks for the great show. Happy birthday and happy retirement to Jeff. Again, that was from uh, Michael Smith. So thank you very much, sir. Uh, much appreciated. Another way that you can become uh, part of our Coffee Fund cadre or Coffee Bar Club is via Patreon. You can become a patron of the show. And information about that is available by heading over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. And we will too. Hey, everyone. Micah. Everything working okay? You can hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, so tell excited. me, uh, tell us, tell everybody. We know, of course, but uh, tell everyone who doesn't know who you are and where you're from, please. Uh, I'm from uh, the Portland, Maine area, and uh, I've been a listener for quite some time. I found you through another podcast and uh, have been uh, on sort of a part of the show on and off uh, since then. Been on the show with you a few times. Yeah. And we even did a couple of recordings from my kitchen, which was pretty fun. Absolutely. And, and in fact, Micah, um, you say, you know, you've been here on and off uh, over the years. Um, according to uh, Leo Laporte, um, you this you are the airline pilot guy, and this is your show. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, you know, Leo, Leo's a tech guy. He's not the podcast guy. <laughs> he's a netcast guy, not the podcast. Well, no, I guess he's a podcast guy now, too. Yeah. Jeff, I, I wanted to say, first of all, happy birthday, uh, and, and welcome to the Over 65 Club now. Um, Thank you. You know, Nick, Nick and I can tell you how much fun it is, and uh, it all goes downhill from here, but it's still okay. 
um, and congratulations on your retirement. I want to say I sort of celebrated that. I had some friends that uh, flew down from Portland, Maine, down to Fort Myers uh, for the new year, and they said, we're flying Delta. Is it safe? And I said, yes, it is now. Now it is. <laughs> very good. Very good. So I think cool. I actually did find my uh, rim shot. There we go. Boom. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing, Steph, I'm so sorry that you're sick because th there's no reason for it. About the same time you came down with this, because it was weeks ago, I made a big pot of minestrone soup, and that would have cured it right away. I have no uh, doubt. And, yeah. and Jeff can attest to the fact that it's it's pretty good. Uh, in fact, good stuff. And as well, but now you know you're beyond that. Uh, you know, I would need to make the chicken soup now. You know, you don't start with the chicken. Soup. No, no, no. I start with uh, the minestrone, then the chicken, the and then you work up to it. You know. Yeah. But, uh -huh. uh, but it's, it's a long. I didn't season. know there was a protocol. <laughs> oh, yeah. there's, there's always a medicinal protocol. Steph can tell uh, you that. But, you okay. know, Ben Franklin, uh, well, he was once asked, how do you cure a cold? And he says, well, uh, there's only one cure for a cold. He says, but you really can't cure it. He says, but there is one cure. He goes, what's that? Well, you turn it into pneumonia, and there are cures for pneumonia. So, um that's, that's uh, what's happened, Steph, is that, you know, you, you had a cold. There's no way to get rid of a cold, but you turn it into pneumonia, and then, you perfect. know, there are treatments for that, right? Yes, yes. Great advice. Well, hopefully not pneumonia. Actually, I know it's not pneumonia, so uh, thankful for that. But, no, I would have definitely taken you up on the offer for the, the soup. That sounds lovely. But, anyway, I just – congratulations on 600 shows. I, I remember I remember, I remember when the Airplane Geeks got to 600 shows some um, Ah, uh, yes. The ago. longest running a a aviation podcast in the world. Aviation geek. But Airplane geeks, I'm sorry. <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> Just like but I, I do need to, to say, and this is actually really uh, important, but really, really fun. You know, uh, you, you heard our recording that Brian and I did from down in Florida when we had our meetup for our little podcast that, you know, mm -hmm. most people listen to. And, and we did have a couple of people show up, but they showed up because they were APG listeners. Nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with the Airplane Geeks. We had a meetup of APG listeners down there, and it was a lot of fun. And thank you for, for helping us. With uh, now, don't take this the wrong way, main man, Micah. But I, and I know you won't because you are part of this APG community. Like, you know, you're one of the, you know, the, the, the standouts of our APG community. Uh, our I APG community is field. awesome. Um, awesome people. Uh, they're, they're the friendliest and, uh, you know, the best people that I know. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they're the ones that showed up to your guys meetup. It's, it's a great group and, and, uh, and your, your meetups are, are, are always the best. And, uh, I've, I've been a part of a, quite a few of them. Yes, so you I'm have one for this, but, but it's a, it's a great combination. It's, it's a great combination of your birthday of 600 episodes and a well-deserved retirement. And congratulations to all of you. Thank you very much, main man, Micah. Appreciate Good it. Good to see you, Micah. All the Happy best, New Micah. Year. Take care. Happy New Happy Year. Happy New Year. Cheers. Bye. See ya. Thanks, Micah. All right. Very nice. This is from Sir Peter of Kent. Methinks the captain protests too much. As we all know, Captain Nick is, a, is firmly a plane guy, uh, and he loves uh, referring to airplanes as just planes. Don't you, Nick? Um. I <laughs> know uh, <laughs> uh, you don't. Uh, balloons and helicopters aren't his things, or so he claims. Today I spotted this RAF helicopter flying over Oxfordshire, and look who's waving out. 
Okay, so it's the time of year when there's more than one jolly bearded chap flying around, but I think we all know who it is. Yeah, look at that. That's definitely <laughs> so, Nick. Pretty impressive beard. I mean, I, I quite, I've grown my beard yeah. a bit, but I don't think it's quite reached those proportions. Still, it's lovely to see uh, the old um, pumas flying around. You know, that was uh, the, my very first squadron I was attached to flew pumas. Uh, I was uh, holding with them before starting uh, my training in the Air Force. Uh, and um, they, I couldn't really do anything because I was such an uh, ignorant young oik. <laughs> so uh, I spent most of my time uh, hitching rides, riding in the back of these things or sometimes in the front, which was much more fun, uh, flying around uh, the countryside. And boy, that was good fun. I thought that was a brilliant job. Excellent. Very good. Well, it looks like you're having a great time there. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> I hope I've got a strap on. You know, I need one of those safety straps. I don't know. Well, if... we've heard about you and the strap ons. <laughs> All right, <Yeah>. let's. Uh... <laughs> 16 inches high. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Very impressive. Okay. Uh, right. This is from. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a family show is what I, another one that I need to find, but yeah. uh, I'll stick that in here right here. That's what he said. Uh, family show, ladies <laughs> okay. and gentlemen. Uh, Steve says, hello again, APG crew, with reference to the VAR check. Now, re remember the, um, the, sock, uh, the need to kind of talk about communications and, and uh, that sort of thing um, in so many different types of relationships. But uh, British Airlines, uh, British Airways pilot um, group got together and kind of lectured or talked about the importance of communications to uh, some referees of uh, football referees over there. And he says, uh, Steve says, I'm an ex-referee and airplane geek. There is no standard language used in refereeing. The feedback from the video referee was, quote, check not complete. The referee heard check complete and restarted the match. Wow, just one word made the difference there. Yeah. My thoughts are that using negatives in such a way is clearly poor practice. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> also, there is a team of referee, two assistants, and uh, the fourth official. No one questioned the referee for continuing. This is very reminiscent of pre-CRM cockpit com communication, where the captain's actions were not questioned, leading to numerous accidents. Thank you for reading my previous feedback. Keep up the great work. Keep up. Keep the sunny side up. Happy retirement, Captain Jeff. Best regards, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, it's good. I wonder what the fourth official does. Does he just walk around being officious? Officious, yeah. yeah. I think that's a word. <laughs> Indeed. We're right at the two-hour mark I just said now, it because it's a word. Yeah, of course it is. Okay, <laughs> Liz. guy like walking back and forth, like, you know, just very... Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. everything Whistle. seems uh, above board. Seems here. in order. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Everything's above board. Above board. In order. Exactly. That's that would be. I could do that job. I think. Yeah. I know. It's a great I'd retirement like to. job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That or Walmart <laughs> greeter. I don't know. It's yeah. uh, it's a toss up between the two. Well, I think you'd probably be okay as a, a baseball umpire, wouldn't you? Because I've seen knees. lots of videos of them and. Anyone can do that job. <laughs> yeah, but you, as as Liz is saying, it's kind of kind of hard on your knees. So, oh, okay, there. yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what time it is. The best. Time yes, of this show. the best time of the show, which is of course 
the plane tale, the old pilot's plane tale. And this week's entitled, appropriately, Flight 600. The old pilot's plane tales, Flight 600. Let me take you back to the dim, distant past and Captain Jeff start with his legacy airline, Acme. I, I mean, Delta. No, Acme. Delta. Acta. Delmi. Or, or whatever. His career started not in the captain's seat, but somewhere in the bowels of the flight deck, sitting sideways with control panels in front of him instead of windows that stretched to the ceiling. Jeff was an engineer on his favourite three-holer, the Boeing 727. Boeing had launched their first jetliner, the 707, in 1958, and only two years later they addressed the need for an aircraft that was more suited to shorter flight lengths from smaller airports. The original 727, that would eventually be named the Dash 100 series, rolled out on the 27th of November 1962 and flew in early February the following year. Twelve months later, it entered service with Eastern Airlines, and in 1972, the type was acquired by Delta, who eventually held the world's largest fleet of 727-200 series with 129 airframes. There had been conflicting requirements amongst the customer airlines, but since the twin-engine regulations of the time banned over-water routes that went beyond 60 minutes flying time from a diversion, Eastern, with its Caribbean services, won the day, and the other airlines agreed on a trijet design. It had been suggested that Boeing work with the British manufacturer de Havilland, since both were producing trijets, and Boeing intended to use a Rolls-Royce Spey power plant built under licence by Allison. Cooperation between the companies ended when Boeing favoured design features more suited to an American market, with six abreast seating in the narrow body, and an ability to use the shorter runways found in rural areas. The Hawker Siddeley Trident, as it became, however, beat the 727 into the air by more than a year. By 1960, Pratt & Whitney were completing the design of their new JT-8D turbojet engine, which, despite being a thousand pounds heavier than the Spey, was preferred by Eddie Rickenbacker, the chairman of Eastern. Boeing reluctantly agreed to offer it as an option, and it later became the sole option. The three engines were all mounted at the rear, two either side of the fuselage in pods and one in between them, the intake of which was blended into the T-tail. The number two engine was mounted internally, within the tail section, with the jet exhaust at the point of the fuselage. In order to feed the air to this engine, an S-shaped duct connected the two which proved to be a troublesome design. Airflow distortion in the duct, particularly during power changes, could surge the engine, 
which occurred during the very first takeoff, right at the point of rotation. This gave the test pilots, Lou Wallach and Dick Sloche, a few moments of concern, but the maiden flight continued safely. Whilst the number two engine design problems were mainly cured by a change to the S-curves, the inclusion of vortex generators on the inside of the first bend, and instructions on careful throttle handling, the wing design of the 727 was much admired by its operators. With no wing-mounted engines, it could deploy full-length Kruger flaps inboard and leading-edge slats outboard right up to the wingtip. The trailing edge was equipped with highly efficient triple-slotted Fowler flaps that helped give the wing as a whole a three-times advantage in lift coefficient when compared to a clean configuration. Being designed for America's smaller and simpler airports, the 727 was given a few distinctive features to aid operation. It was the world's first airliner to be equipped with a gas turbine auxiliary power unit. In the past, auxiliary engines had been used on aircraft from blimps like the British Coastal Class in World War I through military aircraft like the Supermarine Nighthawk to the US aircraft like the B-29 Superfortress and C-47 Skytrain. These motors were various models of four-stroke engines that powered a DC generator and nicknamed by the Americans putt-putts. The small jet engine fitted to the rear of the 727 powered the electrical and air conditioning systems without having to start a main engine when external equipment wasn't available. In addition, the aircraft featured a built-in air stair that lowered from the rear fuselage to allow passengers to come and go when the airport lacked sufficient external air stairs. The 727's rear air stair could initially be raised and lowered in flight. This novel feature was used by the hijacker D.B. Cooper as an escape hatch from which he parachuted with $200,000 of ill-gotten gains. His disappearance, with most of the money, remains one of the world's most fascinating unsolved mysteries. To prevent copycats from using this convenient feature, at the insistence of the FAA, a spring-loaded air vane was fitted that deflected when flying, obstructing the door and preventing it from being used until the aircraft slowed below flying speed again. In order to access short runways, the 727 could lower its flaps to a full 40 degrees, a feature that may have led to a number of aircraft losses in the first few months of operation, killing a total of 131 people. The airliner was able to build up extremely high rates of descent, particularly with full flaps deployed, which the pilots, unaccustomed to this new aircraft's capabilities, failed to arrest in time to prevent impact with the ground. In most cases, there was little evidence to finger a specific cause but all occurred in descent prior to starting an approach or whilst manoeuvring during one. A number of carriers banned the use of more than 30 degrees of flap on approach, 
even going so far as to install plates on the flap selector to prevent the handle from going past the 30-degree position. Amongst some pretty noisy aircraft of the time, the 727 was one of the most deafening. The JT-8D engine was a low-bypass turbofan, the E-flux of which created severe shearing when it exited the engine, a major cause of jet noise. In 1972, when the US Noise Control Act mandated the introduction of quieter engines, Boeing determined that the JT-8D-200, a higher bypass and more fuel-efficient engine, could be fitted to the sides of the fuselage in the number 1 and 3 positions, but the bigger fan couldn't be squeezed into the restricted place where the number 2 engine sat. A hush kit was eventually made available that allowed the 727 to fly past the end of the 90s. 727 was very successful. It ushered in the bus stop style of short-haul flying that served small communities throughout the world. Boeing needed to sell 200 airframes to break even, but for over a decade, more 727s were built per year than any other jet airliner. In 1984, production ended, with 1,831 airframes delivered, the highest total for any jet airliner until the 737 surpassed it in the early 1990s. The loss rate of this iconic airliner was unhappily quite high. As of 2019, the aircraft had suffered 351 major incidents, of which 119 resulted in a total loss. The loss of life resulting from these bare numbers has risen to over 4,000 souls. One addition to those sad statistics came from Flight 600. The aircraft was a 727-200 series of Alia Royal Jordanian Airlines. It first flew in 1974 and was barely four and a half years old. Juliet Yankee Alpha Delta Uniform was operating on a scheduled passenger flight between Amman Queen Alia International Airport in Jordan and Doha International Airport in Qatar. The date was Wednesday, the 14th of March, 1979. The airliner had been named the City of Petra after the remarkable UNESCO World Heritage Site described as one of the most precious cultural properties of man's cultural heritage. On that night, the destination weather wasn't great, but the trip had been uneventful until the crew commenced their approach. The weather forecast indicated a wind from the east at 17 knots, visibility of 10 kilometres in thunderstorms, one-eighth of cloud at 2,500 feet, and three-eighths at 3,000 feet. The controller added that a thunderstorm was building to the northwest of the airfield. The first officer was handling the aircraft. He requested an approach to runway 16 and was given a visual approach with the provision that he could fly the NDB VOR procedure if conditions required it. 
The crew reported overhead the airfield for an instrument approach, and the controller replied that heavy rain was now falling. Shortly after, the NDB, non-directional beacon, failed. It's believed that it had been struck by lightning. But within a few minutes, it was back online, and Flight 600 reported that they had completed their procedural turn and were now inbound. They were cleared to land. Four minutes later, the 727 reached minimums and had commenced a go-around, having failed to see the runway. After climbing away, they requested an ILS approach onto runway 34, which would allow them to get closer to the ground and from which they stood a better chance of completing a landing. They were so cleared, and whilst they were positioning, the controller gave them wind readouts of 180 at 6, 150 at 13, 150 at 15, and 140 at 17. They started their approach but with the significant tailwind and problems keeping to the glide path, the crew informed the controller that they would go around for a second time and divert to Daran. They initiated the go-around at 300 feet, above their minimums, applying go-round power, moving the flaps to 25 degrees and raising the gear. The 727 climbed to 750 feet, with the speed falling to 140 knots, but that's as high as they got. The aircraft descended rapidly, reaching a rate of 4,200 feet per minute, the speed rising in the last few seconds to 170 knots. It pancaked into the ground almost wings level, with the nose about 10 degrees up. Mortally wounded, the city of Petra bounced up, rolled inverted, and then crashed back into the ground, sliding tail-first into the fire station, about 2,500 feet from the first impact point, breaking up as it careered along the ground. A post-crash fire engulfed the wreckage, causing more loss of life. 64 people were on board, of the 15 crew, only four died and two were seriously injured, but amongst the 49 passengers, 41 perished and six were seriously injured. The inquiry decided that the probable cause of the crash was wind shear due to a microburst from the thunderstorm. The severity of the microburst exceeded the performance of the aircraft to overcome it. The board stated that the encounter came about because of the crew's decision to conduct another approach to land without taking into account the severity of the weather over the airfield. Microbursts generally raise the fear factor for most pilots and most successful airline pilots avoid the conditions around which they occur. Typically, they're associated with cumulonimbus, that is, rain-bearing cumiform clouds that may or may not be described as thunderstorms. Such clouds have usually developed from a couple of thousand feet up to 30, 40 or 50,000 feet, 
and within them are circulating currents of air that hold enormous quantities of water and extend up into regions of very low temperatures. When conditions allow, cold, heavy precipitation made up of rain, hail or verga that's rain that evaporates before reaching the ground, falls out of the cloud in strong downdrafts that can exceed 6,000 feet per minute. When one of these columns of air, usually around 2.5 miles in diameter or less, hits the ground, it spreads out in all directions away from the impact point. Should you meet one, you'll initially encounter a strong headwind that causes airspeed to rise and you'll be forced upwards. This is usually countered by throttling back to reduce the speed to normal and by increasing the rate of descent to get back to the glide path. In a mile or so, the headwind reduces as you fly into the downdraft. Speed will drop and the aircraft will be carried down with the column of air descending towards the ground. The falling speed may cause a stall and asking sluggish engines to accelerate from a low power setting to transition into a climb is often a forlorn hope. Many have failed to recover. Even if one manages to pass through the downdraft, the dramatic change from a strong headwind to an equally strong tailwind is often enough to spell disaster. Such was the finding of the inquiry. For Alia 600, their flight ended in tragedy. But for our airline pilot guy, APG 600 will, I'm sure, end in quite a different way. It's a milestone for Captain Jeff's marvellous career, and whilst he is giving up the left-hand seat for some other lucky candidate to fill, he's moving on to an equally rewarding part of his life. He will take his RV into the promised land of retirement in the sure knowledge that he is admired by many and has done himself proud. I'm not dead yet. You sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I sound like it. Too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, Steph yeah. sounds like she's dead. Yeah, you sound like you've had some go around the ceiling. Jen has an interesting comment. Um, who has an interesting comment? Jen. Oh, Jen, Jen, look at that. A few weeks back, we had three 727s on the ramp at, uh, at the cargo airport. Very oh, unusual wow. these days. Uh, yes, they are. They, it's, it's a fan. Thank you for... Uh, Most of them are crashed. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great jet. Um, it was indeed one of the best that I've uh, that I've flown, and it's the only one that I've flown all positions on. Uh, flight engineer, first officer, and captain, and uh, it's oh, a great. I was thinking doggy mission. Yeah, I know. I, as soon as I that came out of my mouth, I'm thinking I should not have <laughs> said positions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I do really appreciate you um, coming up with such an uplifting. Um, could yes, you find any flight 600s that were like, you know, was nope. a, had a happy ending? <laughs> no. Nope. Well, I, there are many. Yeah, indeed, one. there are a lot of flight 600s that have a happy ending, uh, but they're not very interesting so to boring. talk about. 
<laughs> exactly right. Okay. One, one that plummets into the ground under a microburst. Now, that's interesting and educational. So uh, sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, it, from that point of view, I thought it was a great way to just remind people that it doesn't matter how damn sophisticated your aircraft is, a microburst can exceed mm. almost every airliner's performance capabilities. So yep. when you think there's one around or it might occur, just get out of the way for a while. Yeah, you can always, uh, you can always go, go around. around. Right? Oh, indeed. Sadly, these people were going around. <laughs> oh. Well, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. Look at this great photo of Captain Jeff. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's an awesome photo. Oh, look at that great man. picture of you, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, that is super. Well, thanks. Uh, that was you back. Are the uh, knees, sir. That was the 200 episode uh, down in Miami. That was a little yeah. while ago. Yeah, a little have while your ago. Wings there, Jeff? Do you have your I, wings? Here? I do have my wings, Liz. Uh, let's see, right here. Was there, wasn't there a story about the tie in that picture? You're keeping them with you all. Oh, look time. at those yeah, wings. Those are yeah. my uh, Acme captain's wings. Um, the story, Liz, behind the tie. No, that's oh, no, just I a. Said, uh, wasn't there? That was a uh, tie. Was it a Christmas tie? It's a well. It's yeah, an epiphany it tie. Definitely. It's oh, the okay. the three uh, we three kings. Oh, I see. Um, the you know, the, yeah, the Magi, uh, the gifts of the Magi. I'm the gift but of the Magi. But there are only two here. of them. Well, I mean, it's, I can't show the whole thing. Uh, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's limited space on the tie. Anyway, oh, okay. um, yeah, so uh, thank you very much, Captain Nick. Oh, I was going to mention that uh, there were several things that you were talking about during this that I thought, oh, I could comment about that. But the one that I, it's, it's most significant to me is, uh, the going from 30 to flaps to 40 flaps, it mm. is dramatically, it dramatically changes the deck angle. In fact, if you don't warn the flight attendants that you're going to 40 degrees, uh, you'll probably hear a big clunk as they roll down the <laughs> aisle and hit the uh, cockpit door. That's how significant it is. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, you don't, you hardly ever, ever do the 40 flap thing. And then if you land with 40 flaps, it's just, uh, I mean, it's great performance, uh, very little, you know, landing distance uh, because you're going a lot slower. And I don't know, just the the angle of it, you know, hitting the runway is such that you can really get a nice short landing roll. But you cannot get a good landing out of a 40-flat landing unless you're just extremely lucky. But uh, anyway, so we hardly ever did them. Well, uh, Craig, that's good because sounds like it was something of a troublesome, a potentially troublesome flap setting. Yeah, it was. Craig Messerman in our live audience says there's a DAL 600 landing in the Cayman Islands in half an hour. He just checked FlightAware. Thank you, Craig. That makes me feel so much better. That is a, a positive. And then, of course, we're going to find out that the, uh, the flight ends say, up crashing. I was just going to say, let's check successfully <laughs> <laughs> If so, we'll have to edit this out, you know. Yeah, we definitely um, will. But, uh, you know, uh, speaking of something that might uplift our spirits a little bit uh, is another community member, APG community member, Carrie Kenner in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Hey, Carrie. Hey. Welcome. Greetings. Greetings, everyone. Um, happy 65th birthday, Jeff. Um, I was glad I could uh, reuse that photo on Slack of the sign I got my wife for her 65th. Oh, did I did I miss that? Somebody responded to it. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to check it again. Uh, here, let me um, do that right now. But congratulations on your uh, 600 episode. I've been listening since you were running the show alone. 
mm-hmm. and been to several of your meetups, Kansas yes. City. Yeah. A few in Charlotte, um, Oshkosh, and number 500 in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've been there for uh, the long run, uh, Carrie, and I do appreciate it. And yeah, all the the strange things. I still had some trouble uh, wrapping my head around when you were in Kansas City for that meetup. And then you say that you you live in Charlotte. And I'm going, so... What are you doing here again? Why, why are you here? <laughs> it was uh, strictly coincidental. Yeah, worked out well. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, was yeah. the first time that we met in person, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Yeah. I um I went back and checked, and um, I'm I'm disappointed that I never got to fly as one of your unruly passengers, <laughs> but um I have flown, and not by choice. The Mad Dog with Delta, 221 times and 87. Oh, wow. You're a sucker for punishment. <laughs> and, and 87 more on the 717, which wow. is all they like to fly out of Charlotte. Now, just to, yeah, no, that's, that's, I know. I've, I've been in and out of the Charlotte airport, which I love uh, so many times um, in uh, both the Mad Dog and the 717. And Nick, I have to say, come on. We flew from Atlanta to Pittsburgh in that Mad Dog. Was that really such a bad flight? Do you remember that? No. You flew? Oh, uh, you, you and me. Yeah, we were uh, passengers in the. No, on a, no, it was a great flight. I, okay. I was, uh, I was, you know, a, a tail, uh, an aircraft with the engines in the tail only upset the economy passengers. You gave up your seat. You gave me that beautiful seat in the front where it was quiet and peaceful, and uh, I was impressed by the rate of climb. I thought it was a super little aeroplane. It was like a you know, jet fighter with 50 people on board. It was very impressive. I loved it. Okay, yeah, well, it you were dissing fun. it before, so... Okay. Yeah, no, I know. Well, I, I tend to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just in my nature. I'm sorry about that. Okay. Well, hopefully, okay. hopefully most of Carrie's uh, travels were near the front of the Mad Dog. And yeah, not most of them away from those damned engines. Not back in the back where you don't have a window and you're right next to the engine. Yeah, that is not a good seat back there. No, you, you do that once and then you make sure that never happens again. That's where the non-revenue <laughs> passengers sit uh, on most of those flights, sadly. Yeah. And um, I, I got you something for your uh, RV. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and I uh, for sure will be putting that Excellent. on my RV. Oh, but I good do, job! I do, really I do appreciate good. the thought. Well, we'll take care of that for you, Carrie. We'll make sure it ends up on the RV. That's oh, so funny. I'll take it to Oshkosh. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks so much. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. All around. I hope that your Christmas holidays are going well, and I uh, hope to see you again soon. Yes as well. Thank you. Lovely to see you. All right. Thank you, Carrie. Bye, Carrie. All right. So nice to uh, to have Carrie with us. And um, let's see. I guess now we could um, uh, number eight uh, from Captain Jure. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he told me exactly how to. Is that right, Jure or Jure? Jure. I think it's like Jurgen, isn't it? Jure. Okay. Um, Anyway, I think Jurgens, I think, is actually uh, his full name. Um, anyway, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Dear APG crew, 
through this impersonal method, I would like to thank you very much for another year of lovely aviation banter. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas with your loved ones and time to reminisce about 2023. Until the new year, hopefully we get a chance to share a few tales and brews. Blue side up, and then he uh, gave us a, a sign-off in um, Dutch, Blau Bofen, which... Um, I'm not sure. It sounds like blow blow air up your skirt or something like that. Is, <laughs> is that what that stands for? I'm not sure. Let's, let's see. Should I do a quick, uh, hold on, let's see. Someone in the chat room will probably and know faster. And included a couple of pictures. Yeah, included says, a couple of, it, yes. Go ahead. It means blue blue above. Oh, blue like, above. okay. Like, oh, yeah. Keep the blue side yeah. up. Keep the blue side up. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So the, he sent us a couple of uh, images. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town and... It's an airliner uh, com coming in for landing. And then the next one, I won't read uh, <laughs> word for word. Uh, I wonder if my blank landing <laughs> is still thinking about me, too. And that's Kermit my the Frog. Less than, less than stellar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I wonder if my crappy, uh, or here, wait, maybe I could do it this way. Uh, maybe if my Jenny, oh, no, that didn't work. <laughs> 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 I nice, wonder. Oh, let's take two. Nice try, Jeff. I wonder if my <laughs> landing is still thinking about me too. <laughs> Nailed it. Thanks. Well, close, close enough. Uh, thank you, uh, Captain Jur. Uh, enjoyed meeting you and your crew when you came in uh, for that layover in Atlanta a few months back. Um, one of the highlights of my year. Um, this is from Alan. And uh, he says, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Hope you all had a lovely festive time and a healthy and peaceful new year. Happy birthday in retirement, Jeff. Trust me, now the work really starts. Laugh out loud. Yes, thank you, Alan Loveday. Um, appreciate that. I had a nice uh, picture, I guess. Is that Alan, I guess, all dressed up in his gear? Yeah, nice. You look a lot like uh, Captain Nick. dodgy looking parcel under his left arm? Hmm. I don't know. Is it just a pillow? Like the pillow behind him? Yeah, I think it's just the upholstery of the uh, chair. You reckon? Yeah. Uh, I, don't know. I, mean, I think it's his stash. Uh, could be. Could be. Um, After all, you'd need something special if you were going to sit in that chair all day. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. You know what? Uh, let's go ahead and uh, play some uh, audio feedback that we received. From is that okay, Liz, for me yeah. to do that uh, next? Yeah, okay. Sure. Um, received some audio feedback from our good friend Paul, and uh, here we go. Cyrus Jeff and the APG community. Cyrus is another greeting in Slovak when you greet friends and favorite people. I was listening to Rob Mark earlier today on the Airplane Geeks podcast, and they're talking about the Hawker Citation incident at Houston Hobby a few months ago. Talking about the cockpit voice recorders. Well, that's all I seem to ever hear is cockpit voice recorders. Aren't there air traffic control voice recorders as well? Are there not other communications going behind the scenes that we don't hear since we only hear the cockpit voice recorders? What do you guys think? Is that maybe something that 
should be listened to. It would be nice to have access to maybe. Would we hear other voices that's going on in the background? Are there things going on on the controller side that we don't know about since we don't hear controller voice recorders? What do you guys think? Do you think that could change any outcomes? I'm sure the FAA looks into all these different voice recorders, and I'm sure they listen to both recordings, right? Am I right? Is there even recordings in the FAA control towers? Will we hear anything different? Okay, speak pipes. Got to go. All right. Uh, thanks, Paul. Um, am I right? <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. The uh, I don't know the answer to that. I know that we have all the recordings that they uh, in their communications radios, and I know that they also record the landline communications that they have with other controllers and control facilities. But as far as like an area mic, like we have in the cockpit, an area mic uh, recording the various sounds uh, in the general cockpit area, I'm not sure if they if they have recordings or even a microphone uh, up in the uh, tower cab. Do you guys know? I'm not sure about that. I do know that um, you know everything that's happening on the screens is being recorded as well. So like mm -hmm. where cursors are and... Um, the pages that are being looked at and the and the things that they're typing in on exactly. their keyboards yep. yeah or all, all the audio is on all of their lines be it radio or landline are recorded but i don't think casual conversations um unless they're picked up in the background of a of a mic communication uh are recorded i just i've never heard of it so. i haven't either and I don't recall ever seeing in any kind of a preliminary or final report or the transcripts um, no. uh, anything of uh, actual those those kind of conversations going on. Uh, but I I don't know what benefit because almost all their communication is done through the headset. It's not like they're shouting across the tower telling people to do things. Uh, mm -hmm. So I don't know what benefit that would be. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Paul, good question. Um, Perhaps you should ask uh, those uh, those co-hosts of the uh, <laughs> best aviation podcast in the world, uh, Opposing Bases. They might Indeed. know the answer to that. I doubt uh, it. Well, they'll make something up and sound like they know what they're talking about, <laughs> like we do here. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right. Um, we also received some audio feedback from Vernon Tryon in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. No, Fort... <laughs> Fort Pickens, Alabama. No, uh, Fort Morgan, Colorado, I think is actually. Good morning, Captain Jeff. December 26th. In case the world didn't know, some way or another we just kind of subtly figured out, today is your retirement day. Happy retirement. Happy 61st birthday. And this is yet another chapter of the APG Life Retirement. Continue with the great work. We love it. As uh, those of us who never became airline pilots could vicariously do so through APG. Greetings to the crew and Happy New Year to everyone and have a great retirement. Captain Jeff, look forward to seeing you and uh, during your travels. This is Vernon Tryon former CFI air traffic controller and some other things at Fort Morgan, Colorado. 
Take care and blessings to you. Bye-bye. I love it. He knows that I love, we love hearing all that music in the background. He made sure, he made a point that uh, he'd have that uh, background music running. Thank you very much, uh, Vernon, uh, for the wishes of uh, happy birthday and happy retirement. We do appreciate that. And he's been a longtime listener uh, as well. So, uh, And it was nice. I actually met him in person up uh, with uh, main man Micah. And uh, uh, we were up in, uh, up in Maine. Uh, and he was as well. And uh, we had had a dinner together. That was nice. A few years. Oh, it was a couple of years ago, I think. Um, anyhow, uh, you wanted to say something, Steph? No? You were just smiling. Okay. She wants to, but Such yeah, a I can't smile. talk anymore. Okay. No, I'm just well, she, smiling and just, nodding. Just sit there and smile. And uh, there you go. It's so nice. I like it. Yeah, nice, nice little wave as well. Uh, like the queen. Um, rest in peace. Um... This is from Erbium, er- Erbium, uh, probably not his real name, I'm thinking, or her name. Um, the title of the email, Wild Tugs Hunt in Packs. Hi, Liz and the Flyers. <laughs> I've never heard anybody with that salutation before. I like it. Apparently, Tugs at Amsterdam Hunt in Packs. The attached video and link to the source on Reddit show blue tugs leaving KLM planes to peacefully graze in the meadows while they chase down a lone delta that strayed into their territory. Let's take a look at what he's talking about here. Okay. Wow, that is something that I have never seen in my life. There, uh, this will it be in the show notes. It looks kind of creepy, doesn't it? It, it does. <laughs> it really does. It looks like like big giant insects, big you know bright blue insects or light blue insects uh, with wheels, like um, getting ready to uh, attack that lone, that poor lonely delta. Was that a three thirty? Bird. Yeah, uh, pushing back from the gate there. That is. So he uh, continues. Says someone said it was a retirement event. Has anyone in the crew ever seen anything different from the old water cannons as a send-off? I haven't. Anybody on the crew seen this type of thing before? I'm wondering how in the world they got approval from uh, uh, Amsterdam Schiphol ground control to do that, or ramp control. I don't know what the deal is there at uh, Schiphol. I wonder how many aircraft were sitting there going... Oi, where's my tug? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it must have been something important for them to, yeah, be taken from their normal duties and, and do that. But that's that's pretty impressive. I'll bet that the captain that was retiring there um, was uh, well-loved and uh, and well-known uh, at the airport. Perhaps he was an ex-tug driver. You never know. Could be. Could be. Okay, what do you think, Liz? What's next? Uh, I would say number seven. Let's just knock it out. Okay. And get get it done. We've had this in our feedback lineup for some time, and uh, the one of the reasons why we kept skipping it is because, um, as at least for me, I don't know who it's from. It says anonymous. Um, I, I have a feeling Liz probably knows, but uh, okay. So um, let's see. It's, I think you covered the snowstorm in Germany that closed down the Munich airport. Or if you didn't, I'm sure you will. Now we didn't, and we're we're covering it now. (laughs) Um, Related to that story, I thought I would send two pictures taken two day or a few days later. 
uh, for those not familiar with the busy airspace of the North Atlantic between the U.S. and Canada, I'm mean, sorry, U.S. slash Canada and Europe, it's divided into tracks called the NATS or the North Atlantic Track System. Airplanes are separated laterally and by airspeed and altitude. The, oh, I think I know who this is. The tracks uh, are like one-way highways in the sky. Usually in the evening, early morning, traffic goes eastbound, while in the late morning and afternoon, traffic goes westbound. There are exceptions, such as cargo, that normally goes in the opposite direction, but they use random routes that separates them from the other traffic. So imagine my surprise earlier this week, and this was sent in a little while ago, uh, while approaching the Nats eastbound going to Europe, when I saw on my iPad a fellow Acme Global airplane going the other way. That's odd, I thought. Maybe a mechanical issue? Then I saw another Acme Global airplane also heading westbound from the Nats. I mentioned this to the captain, and we both agreed that this was unusual enough to warrant further investigation. One airplane turning back was odd, but not unheard of. Two flights turning back was very unusual. We checked the flight numbers in the company database. One flight was uh, Dulles uh, IAD to IAD. (laughs) The other was Newark to Newark. Now, we love flying airplanes, but no company that wants to stay in business just sends airplanes on long trips to nowhere. I checked the original flight information, and both were supposed to go to Munich. This really got us interested, as we were also headed to Germany. What was going on? We sent one of the airplanes a message via ACARS and quickly got a response. Germany could not guarantee the airplanes, uh, the airplanes landing slots at Munich or anywhere in Germany. With that information, both airplanes turned around just as they were entering the NATS, or the North Atlantic Track System. Um, yeah, wow. So, although Anonymous here doesn't tell us what they did. Yeah, I agree. I'm wondering. It's hanging. Yeah, that's t- talking about leaving us hanging there. I'm, I'm, in, I'm guessing that they probably turned around as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, sent a link into the uh, a story regarding this very, very heavy snowfall. I did hear about this, actually. This is a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. at least a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, because okay. my fellow choir um, uh, mate, uh, who also um, a an Acme pilot, uh, was talking about um, crew scheduling, trying to assign a trip, and he flies an airplane that that flies from Atlanta to Munich. And so he did some research before he called them up and either accepted or didn't accept. And he saw what was going on there, and he goes, "Nope, that ain't gonna do it. <laughs> Let somebody else do, try to do that." Uh, yeah. Anyway, some pretty nasty weather. All right. Thank you, Anonymous. Oh, we got that one knocked out, Liz. Excellent. Um, number, the video number 10 there. Yes, from Les. He says, hey, mister, I think your Cessna caught a fish. <laughs> Always remember, when landing on bare ice of a northern Minnesota lake, your brakes won't be worth a poop. You know, that seems to be a common thread in this episode. Poo or poop. Poop, yeah. Uh, only thing injured in this instance was the pilot's pride and so let's uh let's have a listen this update now from the beltrami county minnesota sheriff's office on a plane landing on the ice and breaking through it quote uh today uh december 19th tuesday upper red lake uh, minnesota a cessna 172 skyhawk landed on upper red lake and broke through the ice 
All the occupants were able to self-evacuate from the airplane and were assisted by other anglers on the ice. At approximately 9.20 a.m., the Beltrami County Emergency Management uh, Communications Center received the report and a Beltrami County boat and water deputy were near the scene. The deputy was able to use binoculars from shore to confirm the two occupants had made it out of the plane and were being assisted to shore. The plane had departed from Grand Rapids, Minnesota with the destination of Upper Red Lake for a day of ice fishing. After conducting a flyover, the pilot identified what was believed to be a safe landing area. Upon landing, the absence of snow resulted in the plane having difficulties slowing down. Eventually, the plane slid into an area of thin ice and the nose of the plane broke through into open water. This resulted in both occupants becoming wet from the waist down. They were brought to an area resort and provided dry clothing. Only one to two inches of ice was reported where the plane went through approximately uh, one half mile out from Pioneer Road on the southeastern shore of Upper Red Lake. The pilot had already made contact with the recovery operation and made arrangements to extricate the plane. The deputy informed the pilot of their requirements regarding removal of aircraft and uh, must contact the deputy when complete. Beltrami County Sheriff's Office was assisted by the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources Conservation Officers. Arrangements have been made to remove the airplane. Uh, that's from uh, Sheriff Jason Riggs of Beltrami County. I'm Neil Carlson reporting for inews.tv. inews.tv. Thank you very much, sir. Um, yeah, so I guess... Uh, the lesson here, I guess, so I'm, what I'm gathering from this is, uh, the guy came in, made a kind of a low flyby. Hey, it looks pretty good. Um, and didn't take into account the fact that there was really nothing to have to add any friction to the landing surface. And so when he touched down, the thing just didn't want to want to stop. It just kept going. And then uh, eventually led him into an area where the ice was much thinner than it should be and couldn't support the weight of the uh, Cessna. Like, oh, can you imagine like being there while it's all happening going, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you thinking about doing something like that with your debonair, uh, Camacho? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, the first time I... Uh, the first time I taxied it around in uh, a very cold scenario, I got it stuck in the snow. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Too much friction. <laughs> Too much friction, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. I don't know. All these, you know, I know there's places where it's there's ice runways and it's routine to do that type of stuff, but that just makes me nervous. Not my idea of flying that I really want to be doing, I don't think. If there's a yeah. chance you can. I would love to do it with skis. Um, sure. There's a. Like another guy in our airport that has a champ with skis, and I've always thought it'd be fun to put it. Skis yeah, on the snow on would be fine, I think. Yeah, because yeah, that would like uh, wouldn't be such high pressure points from the individual Wheels. tire patch, or whatever, right? So they yeah. kind of yeah. distribute yeah. the weight a little bit better. Yeah, yep. one one to two inches of ice is not sufficient to no. hold very much. <laughs> I wouldn't. Though. I wouldn't stand on one or two. I wouldn't inches stand on ice. one or two inches of ice. <laughs> Oh, there, are, there are plenty of um, big airports in Norway where they don't even bother to snow clear. They flatten it down and uh, grit it uh, mm. and uh, okay. well-compressed snow or ice 
so long as it's sufficiently gritted to give a friction surface, is actually it makes a fine runway. Sure. Yeah, that sounds fine too. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Uh, let's do this last piece of feedback uh, from another one from Paul, and then we'll call. Uh, we'll wrap the thing up for today's episode. And so let's uh, hear what Paul has to say. Hello, everybody at APG headquarters in Atlanta and everywhere else. Hope everybody's doing wonderful. This is Paul from between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. As far as possibly de-icing a carbon fiber aircraft running current through the Faraday cage, I think it would be a really cool idea, Captain Nick. I kind of wonder if you would introduce magnetism or any such anomalies as you run current through a Faraday cage entire on an entire aircraft body, would that affect instruments or anything like that? Are there any engineers out there that may know? The other thing I'm curious about, I probably have about 200 or 300 flights under my belt by now, of course, being a passenger on commercial aircraft. How many times do you think there was an emergency declared and the passengers knew nothing about it because everything went great? Or how many times do you think there was an anomaly where they had to do something special and the passengers had no clue because everything went great? What are the odds, would you guess, this has happened? And I had no clue because the pilots knew exactly what they were doing. Okay, SpeakPipe says, I am done. So take care. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks, Paul. He got he just barely got that in. <laughs> he's getting good at it. He 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 he's got it down to the last second uh, with SpeakPipe, and you can also leave a message on SpeakPipe if you'd like. If you head over to airlinepilotguy.com, I think contact us is where you'd find that. Um, so let's tackle the uh, the the mesh, the the copper mesh or whatever it is inside the um, carbon uh, composite. Uh, aircraft uh, and sending. Uh, I know that Nick kind of facetiously, maybe, or oh, uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> sending electricity <laughs> through. Uh, yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, would it would it create magnetic fields? Uh, probably that or worse. Well, of course, it has to really. If, if you pass electric current through someone, you'll something you'll generate a magnetic field, but um, there's electric currents flowing through wires all over the aircraft and they each create a, a small magnetic field so I don't think it would create that much difference if you had um, uh, you know warming pads or what this guy was going to do which was run um, uh, tape that generated heat uh, through electricity uh, over the wings I think it would be very similar but no it's something <laughs> something you have to look into in detail, if you're actually going to do it, it mine was just a, a casual um, observation, not really a serious <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> well, I think I do have an answer for the second uh, question he asked regarding, you know, how many uh, times has something happened, like an emergency declared or something like that, uh, that uh, the passengers knew nothing about. Yeah. And I think it's five. I think that's pretty much the... Uh, <laughs> is that all? Yeah, this is very very few times. <laughs> I've probably had about one a year. Yeah, I was going to say. Think about it. Yeah, a lot. But you're right. Lot. Uh, there, there are very few that where I've actually told the 
passengers about because most of the time it's just a bit of a yawn and we've lost a hydraulic system or we have um, uh, lost one computer but there are three more looking after that system uh, and it doesn't really affect anything. We don't declare an emergency. We don't need to do much except run the checklist and take it into consideration, say, if we lost a flat computer, the flats will be slow to deploy, um, that sort of thing. So you just go, all right, well, we'll ask for a slightly longer straight-in or we'll configure the airplane a bit earlier. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm, and I've even had an engine failure and not bother to tell the passengers because, well, it was an inboard engine. We had four. Now we're down to three. And Jeff loved an aeroplane with three engines. <laughs> Normal so, operations. Absolutely. <laughs> so really, and it's an inboard engine, so it doesn't really present any major difficulties. So no, we don't bother to tell people. We tell the engineers, obviously, they're going to need to sort the aeroplane out on landing. But uh, no, they, if, if there's something unusual going to happen that could upset people, like we're going to be met by um, the fire trucks and they're going to see them as we come off the runway or, and we might even be expected uh, to see if we're safe to taxi, that sort of thing, then of course you do because you don't want to, um, them to be concerned. But sometimes telling them about every little thing that might have gone wrong on a complex aeroplane uh, will cause more anxiety than anything that else. Nervous so, passenger Liz would be yeah. melting down. <laughs> yes, Liz could be having a meltdown in the back. Yes, we don't want that. Hey, yeah, this just in. Breaking news! Breaking news from Craig Messerman. Delta Flight Six Hundred, a two-hour and fifty-five-minute flight. Oh, that's coincidental, isn't it? Landed safely <laughs> yeah. in Georgetown. Yay! Oh, you should have done a plane tale about that. Yeah, I don't know why we should have. Just going <laughs> yeah, I know. It'd have been pretty short. <laughs> Took off, flew. Yeah. No, no, yeah. better. Yeah. We should have just all been going to the Cayman Islands. Cayman Islands. Island. I love that. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, good to hear. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate that, and uh, that isn't that because we're right at the two hundred two hour and fifty five point right now, which are really close to that. Uh, oh, that was IHAL Boxes. I'm sorry. Um, he was updating Craig. Oh, I see. Thank you, IHAL Boxes. Uh, I'm sorry. I gave um, attribution to the wrong person. Um, all Micah right. Has a quick question for Micah Nick says, where up. were you for that engine failure, Nick? And what did you do? Uh, return to base or go on? We were on the Nat tracks coming home. So we were over the Atlantic Ocean and uh, we were just about 20 west. So we had a, a you know a hundred miles of the nat tracks to go, um, but um, at that we, we'd burned off most of our fuel, so losing an engine wasn't a great drop in performance. Uh, we had time to think about it, and uh, luckily we made easy radio contact with uh, Gander, who were by then our controlling authority. Negotiated a drop in altitude. We had to go down about three or four thousand feet just to maintain altitude because we had slightly less power. Uh, and we carried on. And um, we that was it, really. We, we landed under a pan call, so we, we got a, uh, a level of, of urgency. Uh, but, um, no, we didn't bother telling the passengers. And my first officer landed it, experienced chap, did a very nice job. 
Excellent. And everybody lived happily ever Everybody after. lived happily, happily ever, ever after. after. Exactly right. All right. Very good. Well, it is now time for us to wrap up uh, the Milestone episode 600. And I just have Yay! to say, you know, I um, I never uh, imagined <laughs> back, <laughs> back on episode uh, Catholic Pilot episode one or APG episode one back in May of 20 or what was that? Uh, 2011, I think, is when I uh, rebranded it that uh, I would have all these wonderful people uh, who have become my uh, best friends. Where? Who? Uh, Where? W- well, <laughs> yeah, Liz, why don't you pop yourself into the into oh, the group here okay. so uh, so you can so all these wonderful people can hear all these lovely things that you're saying. Um, but uh, this it's become such a, a great family for me and uh, it, not only our crew here, but also, uh, our extended family out there, all of you in the uh, community uh, listening to the show. Wow, it's just been an amazing time. And if somebody had said, as I, uh, if you know, you're going to you know, have 600 episodes in the can, I'd say, well, you're you're losing your mind. You know, I'm never going to do this for this long. No, they said that for other reasons. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Uh, we um, we maybe we did lose our minds. Anyway, um, so I just wanted to say a big thank you. You know, 200 was like the first time that we had a huge celebration, uh, all kinds of friends and merriment uh, involved in that uh, few days. Uh, 300, 400, 500, you know, had the big 500th episode uh, last year. No, two, two years, years ago. ago. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and then here we are at 600. And I don't know, we're, we're going to continue going, even though I'm retired uh, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we're we're ending the show. And no, we're not changing the name of the show. It's still Airline Pilot Guy, even though we're not all airline pilots and we're not all guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's and and uh, I'm not going to call it the Retired Airline Pilot Guy show. That's done. So uh, everything is going to stay the same. And uh, yeah, that's. We'll just poo-poo that right now. Yeah. Get a brand and we're sticking to it. Yeah, that's it. So uh, I don't know. What else to say, guys? You want to say anything else before we... Uh... Yeah, I do. Jeff, I just want to congratulate you. This is such a milestone. You know, 600 shows doesn't seem so much, but this is the culmination of a fine career. And it just so happens that 600 has happened at the same time, which is wonderful. And uh, from my personal point of view, I want to thank you very much indeed for including me in the crew. And I wish you all the best for your retirement and good luck. Thank you so much. I intend to uh, share it with you all, whether you want me to or not. I'm just going to say ditto what Nick said. Ditto to me yeah, too. Concur. <laughs> Very elo- eloquent. So Jeff, <laughs> if we Steph. say an average of 2.5 hours per show, you've uh-huh. done 1,500 hours. <laughs> Probably you go to the regionals now. I was That's say, all? Yay! <laughs> hey. hey. All right. Um... All right, so I guess we do our normal wrap-up from here then and say, check out our website. We tell you this every time. How many times do I have to tell you? Airlinepilotguide.com. Lots of good stuff there. And we're on social media or uh, if, my old man way of saying it, Sochmeads. If someone wants to jump in and do that, awesome. <laughs> How about yeah, I'll do that. Uh, Facebook, you just search for Airline Pilot Guy. That's all one word and you'll find our page. On Twitter, we're at APG Crew. 
and on X we're at APG Crew. Instas are the Instagrams which you can go to if you want to have a peek at the artwork. APG Crew. There you go. And we are also on Slack. Again, Hillel's here for the 600 episode in my in my shower. Hey, hello. Hello, can you do Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. That's okay. Come on over here. 600 yeah, put... dripping wet Hillel's. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Go back, put the towel on. <laughs> he doesn't I got a video camera here. People can see you. What's the tackle like today, Jeff? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, he's going for some big, big game fishing right there, I can tell you. All right, come over here and tell us about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha, Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thanks a lot, Hillel. Jeff, would you loof on my back again? Oh, yeah. Right there. Just like that. Okay. That'll have to do for Come now. Come back, Jeff. You missed the spot. Uh, okay. Still got the show. We're wrapping up. All right. Uh, that Hillel's quite the character, I think. <laughs> anyway. Um, you sound like my dog. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know where... I, I could think of a couple of ways to go uh, with, with that uh, <laughs> setup, but I'm not. And uh, also, we'd like to thank Liz for all the work that she continuously oh, yeah, does. Great job, Liz. Thank I you. mean, 24-7, 365, before, during, and after the show. Thank you, Liz, so much for all the help that you uh, provide and support that you provide for us. And with that, we're going to do the standard sign-off and say, wishing you clear skies unlimited visibility and talent. Douglas? Cheers, y'all. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Here's to the next 600. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats airline pilot guy I fly America oh airline pilot guy he can't land in heavy fall I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly
flying home.